accused by a parent of suggesting one of its students did better in her GCSEs than she actually did. It comes as the organisation is under government investigation following reports of poor financial management and grade massaging. Barnfield say there was never any intention to mislead parents or pupils and the culture of imprecision is going to be stamped out. A businessman from Luton who fled to Pakistan after being charged with a £1.2 million tax fraud has been found guilty in his absence. Mohammed Farouk from Old Bedford Road had failed to make income tax and VAT payments for more than 11 years. The 53-year-old was found guilty of two offences of cheating the public revenue out of income tax and value-added tax. The government is to introduce a cap on the charges imposed on workplace pensions. Ministers say they want a full frontal assault on administration charges to stop savings being whittled away. And an Aylesbury man believes a painting he bought for just over £100 could be worth up to £100 Rad Novakovic bought the painting at auction four years ago. He thinks it could be one of Edouard Manet's last works. But John Whitley, senior assistant keeper of Western Art in the Ashmolean Museum in Oxford, isn't so sure. I must say I'm sorry, that first um, diagnosis is not very promising. The painting doesn't look anything like a Manny from any period of his work, although I know it's supposed to have been done in the last year of his life when he was dying and ill. Nevertheless, the whole style of the picture is completely wrong. In sport, Chelsea are through to the quarterfinals of the League Cup. They won 2-0 at Arsenal. Stoke booked their place beating Birmingham 4-2 on penalties and championship side Leicester City caused a shock as they beat Fulham 4-3. And the weather, after a cold start, there will be long spells of sunshine across most parts of the three counties. The winds will be light at first, but a southerly breeze will gradually develop during the afternoon. Maximum temperatures of 13 degrees Celsius, that's 55 in Fahrenheit. Get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. It was very cold yesterday. It was very cold this morning, and I'd left my thick coat at work. Thick me. How many layers are you wearing in bed these days? I found a nice uh, pair of tracksuit trousers in my wardrobe. I didn't know I bought them. They're from Marks and Spencer's. I must have bought them years ago. They fit perfectly. They're very thick and they're very warm. Two T-shirts in bed last night. Two T-shirts. That's how cold it was. Yep. Oh, boy. What are you wearing in bed these days? Lots coming up on the show this morning, as well as what are you wearing in bed these days. Calls for private landlords to plug the housing gap. Claims Barnfield misled parents over GCSE success. And hopes an Aylesbury man might have a multi-million pound manet. If you want to get in touch this morning, facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. You can send us a text, 81333, start your text 3CR, and you can give us a call. Who will be the first phone call of the morning? Probably Dennis, but if you want to beat him, 08459 455 555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC County Radio. And uh, don't forget, uh, if you like your news uh, hard and thrusting, then in about 25 minutes, Catherine and I will be looking through the papers, won't we, Catherine? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Sorry? Can't wait. <laughs> Whoa, that sounded sarcastic. Catherine Jenkins is in today. She can't close her eyes. That's front page news. That's something to look forward to. That's what we, we call in Radio Land a tease. You've been teased. You have been teased, you see. If you want to uh, take part in that, it's kind of, you know, open house. Anyone can come and have a go. 555 is the telephone number. Who's going to be the first caller of the day? Please don't let it be Dennis. Please don't let it be Dennis. Please don't let it be Dennis. Justin Dealey will be out and about this morning. If you see him, give him a hug and tell him he looks nice in his red jersey. Very smart. Now, it's no secret that most of our local authorities are struggling with huge council house waiting lists and there simply isn't enough affordable housing for everyone who needs it. We also know that Milton Keynes Council has been ticked off for keeping people in temporary B&B accommodation longer than the legal limit. Well, now the council has come up with a cunning plan, getting private landlords to plug the gap. But it seems that many of those private landlords are reticent to work with them. Let's speak now to Francis Dell. Good morning, Francis. Good morning. Oh, oh my dear. Is your, vo- is your voice okay? No, I've got a little um, cyst on my vocal cord, so it's a bit um, funny. Oh, but, uh, well, well, listen, we'll, we'll try and make this as painless as possible for you, Francis. Thank you for joining <laughs> us, even though you're poorly. Okay. Now, your daughter has had some experience of this, hasn't she? What happened? Well, what happened was um, they, they had a flat to rent. They rented it to uh, a, a lady who had all the proper paperwork, etc. And then after some time she stopped paying her rent so they gave her notices 
of eviction. You have to do bit by bit. And eventually they evicted her. She went through Milton Keynes Council. Um, it was then that they found out that she was uh, uh, had benefit, which they didn't know to start with. And the woman phoned up my daughter and told them that if they didn't let her back into the flat, they would either take her, you know, have her put in prison, or they would come and change the locks on the door and give this woman new keys. Hang on a second, sorry, so who, who phoned up your daughter? The council? The council. And said, if you don't let this, this woman back in who's on benefits that you didn't know about, we'll either yeah. put you in prison or we'll, we'll break in and we'll change the locks. That, correct. That's, that's it. what they said. That's incredible. What, it, what happened I, then? I believe, well, my daughter was very, very ill at the time, and um, they said, no, we're not letting her in. So this went on for about two days, and the woman kept phoning and, you know, saying she was going to do these things, and my daughter was so upset that in the end she caved in oh. and said that the girl could go back in, despite the, the woman owing thousands of pounds which she'd already been given, obviously spent on other things. So I think the council owe my daughter and son-in-law that money. So what's what's the latest now, Francis? Is this this Nothing. is this person still in there? No, no, no. She went. Um, they had to go to get a court order, and uh, she left just before the court order, I believe, came out. Where she went to, I don't know. How much money is your daughter owed? I think it was nearly about £3,000. Oh, my goodness. And, I mean, they've got other people to pay. They have a business. So if the council had, you know, put them in prison, say, or done what, they, they hadn't got the money coming in, so they would have made other people homeless because they couldn't pay them. I'm assuming your daughter's spoken to the council since. What's the latest? What are the council saying now? No, she hasn't since then because she was... She was so ill and she didn't recover too early this year right. that it was too much stress for her. Why, too much. Francis, why do you think the council was so desperate for this, this tenant who wasn't paying their way to stay in that property? Well, I don't think they hadn't got anywhere else for her to go because she apparently went to the housing people, I think it's somewhere in Bletchley, a housing place, and there wasn't anywhere for her to go, that's why. But I don't think they should have the power on people's private properties. Francis, listen, I appreciate your time this morning. Go and rest your voice. Have some warm lemon okay. and uh, honey. That's and what I've been doing all week. Good, have some of that. That, that. that will ease it. Francis, thank you very much indeed. That's Francis Dell talking uh, about uh, her daughter's experience of um, being a private landlord and uh, struggling with a tenant who was on benefits who didn't pay, booted the tenant out... The council said, well, you put her back in, otherwise we're going to either send you to prison or break in and change the locks. Incredible. 08459 455 555. Here's a rather apt song.
Now, that's the classic semi-detached suburban, Mr James, by, of course, Catherine? Manfred Mann. Thank you very much. And you only recently found out there is actually a man called Manfred Mann. Yeah. It's mad, isn't it? Who knew? Yeah, well... Everyone else, apparently. He did. Now, Kelly Betts is objecting to that song. What's your problem? What pantomime is that from? Sorry? What pantomime is that from? It's from the 1960s, which in many ways was a pantomime, but you're objecting to the lines... You think What you're... was it? Are you really going to be sad about not taking your dog for a walk? Do you think you'll be happy taking Doggy for a walk? However. Yeah. Yeah, who... What does that even mean? There were lots of songs in the 1960s. I'll play another one in a little bit. We'll drop Rod Stewart. There were lots of songs in the 1960s that were criticising suburbia, uh, a middle-class uh, life, and mm. what was perceived as not being hip uh, and, and being uncool. Uh, and that song is attacked, uh, attacking middle-class suburban life. What pantomime is it from? Oh, for goodness I bet I know what you're going to play. Well, Pleasant Valley Sunday of by the course. Monkeys, of course. What else is there? Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. The M25 going clockwise has one lane closed after an accident between Junction 24 for Potter's Bar and 25 for Enfield. So that's just in the roadworks there. And looking on the speed sensor, it is causing some slow traffic around there. No reported problems on the A1N, MN1 or M40. In High Wycombe, there are temporary traffic lights on the A40 near Mill End Road. I'm Alice Glossop, BBC Three Counties Radio. Alice, thank you very much indeed. 6.16. It is uh, Wednesday, the 30th of October. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Councillors in Milton Keynes are asking private landlords to offer more homes for rent to help tackle the housing crisis there. A businessman from Luton who fled to Pakistan after being charged with a £1.2 million tax fraud has been found guilty in his absence. In sport, Chelsea are through to the quarter-finals of the League Cup. They won 2-0 at Arsenal. Isn't that good news, Catherine? Hey! The weather, a cold start to the morning, but it will be sunny later with maximum temperatures of 13 degrees. Coming up, more news on the organisation which runs a number of colleges and academies in Bedfordshire. BBC Three Counties Radio. Every consumer problem has an unhappy customer. They've actually deleted the main account instead of attaching my one to it. We ordered it and when we got home we checked the measurements and it just will not fit. A company. We've asked the council, now they come up with a new excuse, it's not them, it's down to the highways. And he said, well I'm sorry, that's your policy. Oh well maybe next time you'll learn not to open the box. And me getting to the bottom of it all. And they confirmed that they would return my excess and that my no claims bonus would not be affected. The JVS Show fights for your rights and tackles your consumer problems. Weekdays from 9, BBC Three Counties Radio. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number if you want to give us a call. Uh, Stephen the Meltman's on the show. Good morning, Stephen. Good morning, and how are you? If you keep calling in like this, we're going to actually have to start paying you some form of salary. Okay, anything will do. Or give you a £600,000 payout, as is uh, the fashion at the moment. What can I do for you? Well, it's, it's two that you should have been out with me last night. You see the stars out last night were wonderful. Yeah, there's a, reason, there's a reason I didn't go out with you last night. <laughs> I have no desire to hang out with uh, a milkman late at night. Oh, dear, mate. How rude. Yes, yeah, so something, something really important now, and, and, and a really important um, announcement I need to make. Okay, well, this is what can local you, radio is for. It's for, for important yeah. announcements. Away you go, sir. Can, can you ask my customers if they could just kindly warm their milk bottles up before they put them out so my fingers don't get cold? Sorry? Yes. Say that again. 
Can you ask my customers if they could like warm their empty milk bottles up before they put them out for me? So my fingers don't get cold. I've, I've only been uh, in BBC Local Radio for a little over a year. Catherine, you've been here a bit longer. I don't know what the rules are on this. It's highly irregular. Really? Yeah. yeah. What, what you're, because what you're advocating, Stephen, is people putting milk bottles, what, in the oven? In a microwave? <laughs> are you insane? Well, see, you've got to be doing this job, really. Maybe, do you sell, like, milk bottle warmers? Like, big granddad socks or something? No, but we've got a good idea. We could start a business up, I think. Yeah, everyone loves warm milk, don't they? Everyone. What are you talking about? This is crazy, crazy business. <laughs> you, you nearly uh, dropped one then, didn't you? <laughs> Stephen, I'm afraid I'm, I'm going to have to politely... Well, let's see. Maybe people will phone in and be offering to warm their bottles for you. That's very nice. Thank you very much. There you go, you see. 08459 uh, if you so wish. So, Kelly Betts, you didn't like the last song about suburbia. Would you like to try another one? Yes. Do you know what suburbia is? Yeah. Sorry? Place. Oh, you what a- pantomime is it from? class suburban life is dull and that we should all kind of just do our own thing man get down with it where, where exactly is suburbia those 60s crazy cats are crazy okay tony's uh tony's on the line good morning tony 
Morning, Ian. Tony, what, I believe you've got a beef with me. What's your beef? Yeah, stop having a go at 60s music. It's my era. I've got thousands and thousands on my computer. It's the best wow, time you've, ever. You've, 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 you've collect, kept and collected the original MP3s. That's incredible. Well, well I had them on um, vinyl, and then I had them on tape, and now I've progressed to MP3, yeah. I'm not, <laughs> what, at what point did you think I was having a go at 60s music? You were having a go at it. I heard it with my own ears. What, what did I say that was critical of 60s music? You were mu- going on about the words in the music. That, that would be 60 songs, yes. But what exactly did I say that was critical? <laughs> it was. What? You're all... what did I... Tony, tell me what I said that was critical. <laughs> it was, it, I don't know, it's just a number of things, and you could tell you was having a pop at You it. say a number of things, you've yet been able to give me one thing. <laughs> give me one. Well, Ian, just answer me one thing. Yes. Will, uh, will modern music today still be played in 45 years' time like the 60s stuff is now? That Lady Gaga is very catchy, I believe. Yeah, OK. Uh, Tony, thank you for... I wasn't having a... K- Kelly Bates, why did you put him on? What? I, what I, That's my dad. I, oh, offending me. No, it's not I, really. I wasn't having a go at 60s music. I was having a go at you. Oh. Got it? I And I'm, and I'm not 60s music. Correct. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, more news on the organisation which runs a number of colleges and academies in Bedfordshire. Last week we discovered that the Barnfield Federation is under a government investigation amid concerns over its finances and suspicions of grade massaging. We asked for your experience of working at or sending your children to any of Barnfield's facilities... And one of the uh, calls we got was by a mum who we're going to call Louise. Uh, Catherine Boyle joins me now. Catherine, what's happened? Well, we're going to be speaking to Louise in about an hour's time, but she contacted the programme after hearing your piece on Barnfield last week. She said her two daughters had attended one of the academies run by the Federation. One had left and one was still there. Now, the one who had left had just taken her GCSEs. So at an open evening recently for prospective parents, her youngest um, was actually working there as a sort of ambassador. The Louise's husband noticed a picture of their eldest daughter on the wall. This is the one who's left. It clearly showed her face. It had her name underneath it and the phrase 8A star to C below it. Very nice, you might think. Yeah, that's not bad. Well, well done. They Congratulations. they were a bit confused because she didn't get 8A star to C grades at GCSE and they were concerned that, well, maybe, maybe it was mismarked. Maybe we got the wrong mark. Maybe she did better than we thought. So what did she get then? We've seen her results card. The general pass mark is they think of as A to C, right? So she didn't pass any GCSEs. Indeed, the highest GCSE she actually got was a D, but she did pass a number of BTECs. Right. We've checked with several sort of independent teachers and markers, educational specialists, who tell us it's quite common practice for schools to use BTECs in their GCSE ratings and performance tables, and it was allowed to do that. You might have heard about schools schools with incredible 100% pass rates, but in most cases, this is what the ex- experts were telling us, these will not have included maths or English or GCSE core subjects and rely on these BTECs or GCSE oh. equivalents to bump up the marks. They can count for as many as five GCSEs in some cases, depending on which BTEC we're talking it about. It sounds very confusing, and from a casual listen, it sounds a little bit deceptive. Well, it's confusing, yes, but in the eyes of the Department of Education, 
it wasn't wrong to do this until very recently. Last month it was announced that this practice was going to stop in official league tables and that a GCSE equivalent mark would only count once in a performance table. So this means that from now on, schools cannot use this method to calculate the value of non-GCSE courses. OK, so what does Barnfield say about this? We've spoken to a spokesperson for Barnfield Federation. They're not going to come on today, as far as we know, but they told us that there was never an, any intention to mislead parents or pupils. The Star Achievable so this Hall of Fame that uh, Louise was talking about, was intended to give pupils confidence in their achievements. This culture of imprecision, this is their word, is going to be stamped out and Barnfield will not be doing this going forward. We spoke to Barnfield recently on the programme, didn't we? Uh, remind us what they said. Well, we were talking about these allegations that the Department oh, yeah. for Education re- was investigating. What exactly are the allegations? Well, the education group, which runs free schools and academies, um, is under in- investigation over its finances and the way it, and this is the phrase they use, manages learners. The Barnfield Federation confirmed the inquiry is taking place and said that grade massaging is also being looked into. You'll remember that conversation. Yep. It took you a while to get there. Yes, we got there eventually. It oversees a range of institutions, as I say, like the Barnfield College in Luton. The Department of Education and Skills Funding Agency say they're investigating allegations, but they wouldn't comment on ongoing investigations. And what did Barnfield say? Stephen Hall um, was the chap you spoke to. He's one of the Federation's two interim chief executives and the former vice principal of Barnfield College. He said the investigation was broad ranging and told us the way in which we manage our learners is an area of concern. Um, Mr Hall confirmed the massaging of grades was one of the areas under investigation. However, he added that no report had yet been completed and um, none of the allegations was as yet proven. And he added that he didn't think that interfering with students' grades had taken place and he wanted to reassure parents and pupils. Um, The Federation maintained that the case has nothing to do with inflating grades and was... This is the the one we're talking about now, this case at the the moment. The young girl, yep. ...was nothing to do with inflating grades, was entirely in keeping with the rules at that time as we mentioned in the statement. Well, later on in the programme, we'll be speaking to Louise, the mother of the girl who was on that board of star achievers at the Barnfield Federation. And the, the NUT, what did they say about the allegations last week? We spoke to Dave Mingay from the Luton branch of the National Union of Teachers and they said uh, he said he was concerned the Federation might have overstretched itself in trying to take on too many schools too quickly and acting in a corporate way. Um, Dave Mingay t- said, we at the NUT welcome the investigation. We've long had concerns. And that view's been echoed by the Mid-Beverture MP, Nadine Dorries, who's asked the government to include the failure to set up a free school in her constituency with the wider investigation into that Barnfield Federation. Barnfield told us that they were paid £20,000 to look into setting up Fernwood Free School in Aspley Mm. Heath. Ms Dorries believes it could be 100000 I've laid down a parliamentary question today to the Department of Education asking how much they were paid because I and the parents think they were paid much, much more than that. Basically, they did not conduct a proper process in applying for the free school application. That's why it fails. We don't have a free school now in Mid-Bedfordshire because Barnfield failed the parents. And very briefly, Barnfield, what did they say in response to that? Another statement. The college has significant cash reserves and is financially stable. Our students are at the very centre of what we do at Barnfield and our recent restructure was designed to create even better education delivery in the future, reduce our costs and enable us to offer excellent service to the Luton community. Catherine, thank you very much indeed. Well, we'll be speaking to Louise a little bit later on. Uh, Would you like to stick around for the paper review? Why not? Uh, 08459 455 555 if you'd like to take part in the informal paper paper review we do here at uh, about 25 to 7 every morning it's now 6:30 it's bbc 3 counties let's get the travel news now here's alice glossop 
Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much, Ian. On the M25 going clockwise, that is now down to two lanes between Junction 24 for Potter's Bar and 25 for Enfield in the roadworks area. That's after an accident and it is causing significant queues now. Uh, Otherwise, the roads are looking good. On the trains, London Midland are running a replacement bus service between Watford Junction and St Albans Abbey because of a fallen tree on the line. That's expected to be going on until Thursday. I'm Alice Glossop, BBC Three Counties Radio. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Half past six, I'm Barry Caffrey. The headlines, Milton Keynes Council wants more private landlords to offer homes for rent in an attempt to end the housing crisis there. The authority is currently housing 42 families with children in B&B accommodation for longer than the six-week legal limit. The Barnfield Federation, which runs a number of colleges and academies in Bedfordshire, is being accused by a parent of suggesting one of its students did better in her GCSEs than she actually did. It comes as the organisation is under government investigation following reports of grade massaging. Barnfield say there was never any intention to mislead parents or pupils and the culture of imprecision is going to be stamped out. A businessman from Luton who fled to Pakistan after being charged with a £1.2 million tax fraud has been found guilty in his absence. Mohammed Farouk from Old Bedford Road had failed to make income tax and VAT payments for more than 11 years. The government is to introduce a cap on the charges imposed on workplace pensions. Some employees who contribute to a scheme throughout their working life can end up paying hundreds of thousands of pounds in administration fees and other costs during their career. Ministers say they want to get better value for money for savers. And the weather after a cold start, there'll be long spells of sunshine across most parts of the three counties. Maximum temperatures of 13 degrees Celsius. That's 55 degrees Fahrenheit. Three Counties Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. Chelsea are through to the quarterfinals of the League Cup. They won 2-0 at Arsenal with the Spanish international Juan Mata, one of their goal scorers. I think we played a very, very complete game. From the first minute to the last, we had chances to score. I think we kept possession sometimes and we fought against a, against a, a great team. And at the end we are qualified. So I think today we are really proud and really happy. Well, Leicester City, who are second in the championship, caused a shock as they reached the last eight. They beat Premiership side Fulham 4-3. Stoke City are also through. They won 4-2 on penalties at Birmingham. In tonight's fourth round League Cup action, Newcastle play Manchester City at St James's Park and Tottenham take on Hull at White Hart Lane. England's cricketers will be without captain Alistair Cook, Kevin Peterson, Stuart Broad and Monty Panesar for their first tour match against West Australia, which starts later tonight. Cook has a bad back while Panesar has a bug and Peterson and Broad are both being rested. BBC Three Counties News and Sport. I'll have more at seven. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Now... We, we've run out of songs about suburbia from the 1960s. We had Semi-Detached Suburban, Mr James, by the Manfred Manns. We had uh, Pleasant Valley Sunday by the Monkeys. The Kinks did loads, but I can't think of any spe- specifically... They were very anti-suburbia. They were they? very anti-suburbia. Uh, yeah, Where do they, they live now? Muswell Hill, which is quite suburban. 
but if you can think of any others, 08459 555. But we're going to r- bring you right up to date. We've gone from the 60s right up to modern uh, pop music. Catherine, would you like to introduce this one? Men emerging from the water like modern day Venuses, all with six packs, apart from Gary Barlow. It's not gay. And Mark. Yeah. playing a guitar in there, weren't they? I believe they were. I heard a guitar. That um, doesn't sound as fresh as I remembered it sounding 19 years ago. <laughs> Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Catherine Boyle is here for this bit. Hello. Don't get ideas above your station, young lady. What? I'm still technically the boss's programme, so how much higher can I get? 
John is near Watford. Well, John is called in. Good morning, John. Good morning, Ian. What have, what have you called in for, John? Well, I'm actually in a little London suburb called Northwood. Ah, uh, oh, there you go, you see. It's just down the road from Watford. And suburbs are sort of nice places which aren't quite countryside, but they're not the city centre. In America, we had... Marvin Gaye, Inner City Blues, Make Me Wanna Holler, from a really thought-provoking album <laughs> called What's Going On. Yes. Um, with uh, Britain, we had The Beatles and Penny Lane about a suburb in Liverpool, yep. or McCartney waxing lyrical about that. And we had uh, The Kinks um, with Lazy, um, with, with, with Sunny Afternoon. Yes. And not to confuse that, we had The Small Faces with Lazy Sunday. There afternoon. we go, yes. you see. Well done. I what? wish I could, you know, um, the, the, the just, just sort of um, lyrics about not being able to get I, you know I wish I could get on with the neighbours but they make it clear uh, wouldn't it be nice to get on with the neighbours but they make it clear they got no time for ra- for ravers he says ravers. ravers my goodness you know we were raving in the 60s why were okay so I'm guessing you were a young man in the 60s um very young man actually okay why were why was everyone so annoyed with suburbia what's wrong with being boring and middle class I don't know but it was good to make fun of it you see we had people who loved the suburbs um yeah. there was a poet called John Betjeman um, well. who talked about sort of uh, wax lyrical about the, house, the houses of Ryslip. John, I've got, I've got a beef with John Betjeman. Why? I grew up in Slough. He, oh, he, he didn't like Slough. Come friendly bombs and fall on Slough. Don't try and bomb I mean, he bomb it now, I don't live there. But... Humans now. Yes. <laughs> tin beans, tin breath. Oh, brilliant poem. Not very kind to Slough, though, admittedly. Not, not very kind. John, I appreciate your insights into... Uh, pop stars, thank you, John. Pop stars these days don't get angry about anything, do they? Well... One of my, um, uh, um, strangest... When I used Katy to... Perry's angry at Russell Brand, yes. still. Taylor when... Swift's still angry at Harry Styles. She got, she got a, a song out of that, didn't yeah. she? When I used to do stand-up comedy, I remember doing some stand-up comedy in a pub garden in Birmingham. Oh, and one of my strangest... lovely. It was, really was living the dream. One of my strangest heckles was when I said, I, I come from Slough. And someone from the, the... A drunk man from the audience heckled with the John Betchman line, come friendly bombs and fall on Slough. Wow. There's a bit of... Um, and he, there's a, he said it was another poet. I said, no, it's John Betchman. No, mate, no, it's Ted Hughes. It's Ted Hughes. I said, no, it's not, it's John Betchman. No, mate. Literally 15 minutes of me arguing with a drunk man about poetry in a pub garden in Birmingham. Awful. Now, the newspapers. The I'll be honest, there's not a lot happening. No. Well, on the Daily Mail, yeah. it's saying that Meryl Streep fell for Jack Nicholson. You would, wouldn't you? I definitely you would. You totally... Not now, then. Now, come on. No, no, not no. now. No. No. If Nick Coffer had Jack Nicholson on his show, he had Roger Moore the other day... I wonder why you're bringing Nick into this. Well, but... no, because if Nick Coffer had... Um, uh, uh, who are we talking about? Jack Nicholson on his show as a guest... Yeah. Um, and Jack Nicholson came in and you had to kind of... No, not fluff him, that's something different, isn't it? You had to um, uh, make him... Pre-interview. Pre-interview. And, uh, well, what's your name, honey pie? Oh, no, 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 no. Why don't you come and sit over here and uh, I'm coming to get you. What's that voice? That's from The Shining. Oh, right. It's not no, a bad impression. That, that's not his, uh, him at his best. You know, one flow of the cuckoo's nest. He was a handsome young man. When he was playing mentally those... ill people, yes, that, that was very erotic. Devilish eyebrows. Yes, I quite like a devilish eyebrow. But even now, just so you could go back to your husband and say you're never going to believe who I. No. No. Okay. Mm. What about Poirot? Would you go for Poirot? Every day. David Suchet. Uh, David Suchet seems like a proper old-fashioned actor. Mm-hmm. A little bit lovey. I nearly quit as Poirot over Hanky. That's the headline. 
he nearly quit over a, a row over a handkerchief. Uh, Suchet uh, quit the role, almost quit the role during the first series when a director did not want him to indulge in one of Poirot's little foibles of placing a hanky on a park bench before he sits on it. He, Sushi said, as charming as I may appear, when it comes to defence of character or my work... Oh, God, here we go. Just say the words and walk when you're told to. Then I will fight and I will not compromise. If Agatha Christie writes that on park benches he sits on a handkerchief, then he sits on a handkerchief. Get over yourself, Good love. Brief. Can you imagine? All you got to do, all acting is, is walking and talking. When you're told. Paid quite a lot of money yeah, for exactly. playing, surely. Yeah. Um, I sleep with my eyes open, says Catherine Jenkins. Will that put you off her? Um, it's a little creepy. Well, let's look into the paper. Are Maybe you allowed it's... to put an eye mask on her? <laughs> Are you? I mean, obviously, with her permission. I wouldn't want to do anything against... She must find that terribly drying on the old eyeballs. Yeah. I, I sleep with my eyes a little bit open. My so... youngest daughter does do the snake eyes when she's asleep. It's weird. It's not weird. It is weird. I can see You what's... can't see it. I can see what's going on. I had a girl... A, a girl dumped me once because of that. She said, I just can't stand your eyes at night. Oh, right, thanks a lot. Stop looking at me. Yeah, you're weird. Go to sleep. Stop watching me in my sleep. I'm glad you're dubbing me because I don't like weirdos that watch me when I'm asleep. The medical affliction that means Kath sleep with Kath, we're calling her now because she's her eyes are You don't like Kath, do you, Kath? I do like Kath. You don't like being called Kath when I. When no, I don't like being called Kath. But, okay. I like this Kath. Okay. I don't know whether she likes being called that. I doubt it. New record deal, handful of chart topping. <laughs> no. Katie. Ch- no, not since I was about seven. Catatonia. Not on a weekday. Chart-topping albums under her belt. You might think singer Catherine Jenkins would sleep soundly at night, but the 33-year-old Kay. has revealed that she suffers from an unusual condition that can disrupt slumber. She always sleeps with her eyes open. And there's a picture of her in a dress to prove it. Cat? Do you like cat? Some people call me that. I just... I'm Catherine. What's wrong with Catherine? Cat- Let's just use names. Catherine. Three syllables. It's yeah, lazy, th- lazy mouth. It's three syllables. Uh, I've got a very lazy mouth. <laughs> this isn't rude Britannia, says the Daily Express. Britons still... I don't believe this for one second. Britons still have a reputation for politeness and good manners. I think not. We're atrocious, aren't we? It may be because we are less likely to take offence at the kind of things that make other nationalities upset. Here's something. I'm raising my hand to you. Okay, mm-hmm. that could be, supposing you just let me cross the road, you're, you're, uh, you're in a car, I want to cross the road, you let me cross the road, I raise my hand to you. If I do that in Greece, that's the same as raising one or two fingers at How someone. Rude. So the number of times I've, someone's let me cross in Greece, not very often, because they don't like that over there. No. Zebra crossings don't work on the continent. Well, it, do, it does mean that you're insured and when they plough you down. Yeah, okay. Put my hand up, say thank you, and then they start beeping the horn and getting angry wow. with me. And I thought they were, oh, that's being nice that they're thanking me for thanking them. They're not, they're getting really upset. You've got 30 seconds, use it wisely. Mambo number no. 5 singer Lou Bega was forced to confirm he was still alive after being confused with rock legend Lou Reed, who died on Sunday. It was I, all over Twitter. The, how could, right, he's a, a black German who had one hit. Mm-hmm. Lou Reed is a white American who had, I think, one hit. How could you confuse the two? They're both called Lou. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. On the N25 going clockwise, that's still down to two lanes after an accident between Junction 24 for Potter's Bar and 25 for Enfield in the roadworks area that is causing queues. And traffic's also building up on the anti-clockwise there between Junction 26 for Waltham Abbey and up to that 25 for Enfield there. On the M1 southbound between Junction 9 for Redbourne and 7 for Hemel Hempstead, the cameras are showing queues and it is looking very slow around there. Um, in Brickett Wood, the north orbital is heavy at the M25 Junction 21A roundabout. And 
And on the trains, London Midland are running a replacement bus service between Watford Junction and St Albans Abbey because of a fallen tree on the line that is expected to be going on until Thursday. This is Alice Glossop, BBC Three Counties Radio. Alice, thank you very much indeed. 6.46, it's Wednesday the 30th of October. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. There are calls for landlords in Milton Keynes to rent out more private homes to plug the housing gap there. A Luton businessman who fled to Pakistan after a £1.2 million tax fraud has been found guilty in his absence. In sport, Chelsea can look forward to the quarter-finals of the League Cup after beating Arsenal 2-0 last night. Coming up, an Aylesbury man is out to prove a painting he bought for just over £100 could be worth up to, get this, £100 million. Wowzers. We'll find out what that is exactly after we get the latest weather. Here's Georgina. Hearts and Bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Hello, quite a crisp autumnal start to the day, so a bright but chilly morning with a fair amount of sunshine around until it clouds over this afternoon. That's ahead of a band of rain which will sweep in, probably not until after dark, and uh, south or southwesterly winds will strengthen a little as well later on. Temperatures reaching 13 degrees Celsius today. So tonight we have rain through the night. Sometimes it's going to be fairly heavy as well, but it should clear by morning with temperatures down to 7 degrees Celsius. A cloudy old day tomorrow. There will be some some sunny spells around, but generally speaking, um, quite cloudy for most with uh, some showery rain um, coming in from the northeast. So not all parts will actually see that, but uh, temperatures reaching 13 degrees Celsius. And then as we head into the weekend, we have two waves. The first one's going to bring moderate rain. The second one, gales to severe gales and heavy rain. So we're thinking at the moment it's not looking as bad as it was on Monday, but certainly a wet and windy weekend ahead. That's your latest forecast. 08459 I've just remembered there's another voice on this show. Just, what, um, um, Dealey, Justin Dealey. Where on earth is Justin Dealey this morning? What's he up to? Um, Alright, bruv, uh, just, yeah, it's like, boss, uh, what do you want me to go out and do today, bruv? I'll go along with it. Just, could you go out and speak to the people of Luton about a burning issue? Yeah, what is it? Well, I've not thought of it yet. Kath, got any well, idea? Once, once you've got like, an idea, bruv, let me know, innit, boss? Is it a disgrace? Would you mind? Are you outraged? Yeah, would you go and do that for us? Yeah, of course, bruv. Justin, uh, thank you very much indeed. We'll hear uh, what Justin uh, gets on that a little bit later on. I know, I know, but uh, what can we do? On Saturday, Three County Sport takes over. Takes over. We'll be live from midday with five more live commentaries. And Watford score here inside four. We start with Watford hosting Leicester in the early kickoff. And it's rifled into net. Then at three, you can choose MK Dons versus Walsall, Stevenage against Wolves, Wickham at Accrington, or Luton's trip to Gateshead. Eight yards out, post the ball past Jensen. Listen to your local team Saturday from midday here on BBC Three Counties Radio. Oh, yet more attacks on middle-class suburbia. Small faces, I embrace thee. Wouldn't it be nice to get on with me neighbours? But they make it very clear they've got no room for ravers.
Just come up with winning gold for what we can do with Justin Daly. If, if Catherine Boyle can stop stuffing her face for a second, Catherine, what, what's Justin's mission this morning? What put you off? You eating and talking no, at the same time. You You're going out with someone, they're lovely. What would put you off? Catherine Jenkins sleeps with her eyes open. You got dumped for sleeping with your eyes open. Yep. What would put you off? There we go. Thank you very much. Justin, your mission has been set. We'll speak to you as, uh, as quickly as we can. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, here's a story. An Aylesbury man is out to prove a painting he bought for just over £100 could be worth up to £100 million. Wow! Imagine that. Radna Vakovic believes the portrait could be one of the last works of the French Impressionist Edward Manet. And if, he's, uh, if it is, he's promising to give the people of Aylesbury £2 million to repay the town's kindness to his family. Well, we can speak to Rad now. Good morning, Rad. Good morning. Now, r- remind us how Aylesbury stepped in to help you and your son, Alex. Well, at the time when it was most worse for us regarding Alex's treatment and we had nowhere to turn, um, a few friends and uh, uh, school parents got together and decided that they were going to challenge the system and raise the money for Alex to have the right treatment required in Boston. So what, what was wrong with Alex? Well, Alex was diagnosed with a terminal tumour and uh, uh, basically here in the UK there was not really any option. It was just uh, um, the regular chemo and regular radiotherapy but in America the radiotherapy they have there is much more advanced and it targets the tumour not damaging uh, other tissues or or, or other organs in the body and it directs the beam directly where the tumour is uh, uh, causing minimal amount of damage around the areas and uh, with quite very positive results and so far Alex is doing very well. How, yeah, how is he now? I was going to ask. Very good. Last scan we had, uh, there were virtually no traces of the tr- tumour. It was virtually invisible. Invis- we're, we're going back to have another scan in, in two weeks' time here in the UK and hopefully keep our fingers crossed and uh, make continue. Oh, Rab, well, listen, best of luck with that. And we Thank covered you. that story on, on this show and it, it was did. incredible, wasn't it, how Aylesbury it's pulled fabulous. together. All the shops, everyone pulled together. I agree. I mean, uh, I kept people kept saying to me, well done for putting Aylesbury on the map. It wasn't about putting Ellsbury on the map, which was a great thing. Don't 
get me wrong, but it showed you the community spirit and the uh, uh, um, the good side of the British public. I mean, lots of people don't see this, but there are lots of people out there who do care and are willing to get involved in issues and to uh, a challenge now, Rad, the system. Now, yeah. you've got this picture. How much, how much did you pay for it and where did you get it from? I bought it in North, in North London auction uh, um, about four years ago and I paid £110 um, uh, with commission on top, obviously. At the time when I saw the painting, there was something spectacular about it. It reminded me of a painting I owned several years back by uh, a Dutch artist who worked in the 16th century. And what I couldn't understand was it was a modern picture. It looked from the 50s, but the pigments in it were early pigments, old school pigments. And I couldn't work out in my head who would be painting a modern picture in the 50s from pigments which were probably maybe 100 years old, 150 years old. And uh, so I decided to investigate it further. I mean, I took it to several experts who gave me their reasons why it wasn't and this and that, and I decided then to um, check that out and go through all these records and determine, and I found that everything they were saying to me was wrong. So I took it one, st st one step further, I took it to a forensic company based in London who analysed the pigments, and it came back circular 1880, which uh, put me right in my theory where I thought it was coming from, and then I managed to find several other clues, which uh, so far I've put a report together, all based on facts, and I'm just hoping that some leading expert out there will review it. Why, um, why Manet specifically? Why do you think it's... Because it, it, it doesn't... By the way, we've tweeted the picture okay. at BBC3CR. Go and have a look. Uh, it, it doesn't look like his usual style, does I it? I totally agree. Everyone says that. Even I was stumped when I first saw it. I didn't think it would be Manet. I'd seen many of his works. Uh, but what I did know about him was that he was very radical. I mean, uh, a lot of people consider him the leader of uh, Impressionists, but he was radical in mind. He was up against the system at the time. You've got to remember, in paintings, there's also politics. The establishment weren't allowing the new group of uh, artists to uh, show their wares and sell it, and uh, he, throughout his career, he was constantly criticised. I mean, you know, many images I saw of him was him standing there with a, with, with a, a, a broom or a mop. <laughs> and so basically, it was very tough for him. So sometime in his final year, I believe he, he, he did this painting. Well, now, why do you think it's him? It could have just been some other chancer from 1880, couldn't it? Well, it could, but I, I've seen enough art in my lifetime. I, I mean, I started to pay interest in art when I was 11 years old. I went to London. I went to a mixed secondary school. Unfortunately, uh, the kids in that school were from both sides of the railway track. Some were very poor and some were very rich. And all my rich friends, they had really great works of art in their homes. And I managed to talk to their parents regarding it. I was fascinated. And from that moment on, I had a, an interest in modern and contemporary art. So I've seen enough paintings in my time to know what I think is good or bad. And uh, when I first saw this, I realised this was pretty special. Um, and I came home and told my wife. She laughed. <laughs> we, at the time, we didn't think it was Manet. Um, when I'd studied Manet's works before, I never really took the time to look at his signature. It wasn't about the signature, it was about how the application was and how it was applied. And then once, one day I was reading a book on a French Impressionists and I just happened to see a glance at the signature and it was exactly the same as mine. Right, if it is worth a, 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 um, 100 million quid, mm -hmm. can I have, like, £50,000? Because <laughs> that would be nothing to you, wouldn't it? Well, I haven't got the money yet. <laughs> but, but you won't agree to it. Look, it, £100 million minus 50000 that's nothing, Rad. Come on. I agree, but I don't expect to get that. I expect to get a finder's fee. I'm, okay. You know, I, I, I look at myself as the middleman. You tend to pass on. Hopefully, ideally, I'd like to be able to 
to sell it to a museum because if it is what it is, then it should remain here and it should remain for the public to view. Listen, Rad, I hope, I really hope it is worth that. I, ju- I genuinely hope, I hope it is, and it would be fantastic. We've got um, an expert who's going to come on a little bit later on, who, who hasn't looked at the original picture. That's in, in uh, that's uh, in a storage facility uh, in London, but she's looked at a photograph. Uh, and Rad, hopefully, we can speak to you a little bit later on uh, and get our expert on and see what she says. Great story, wouldn't that be good? Wouldn't that be good? He wouldn't give me 50 grand, though. Disappointing. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. The M1 southbound between Junction 9 for Redbourne and 7 for Hemel Hempstead has one lane blocked because of an accident. There are queues there back to Junction 10 for the Luton Airport Spur Road. On the N25 heading clockwise, that's down to two lanes between Junction 24 for Potter's Bar and 25 for Enfield into the roadworks. That is causing queues. Things are also heavy anti-clockwise between Junction 17 for Maple Cross and 16 for the M40. In Luton, Dunstable Road eastbound has queues with two lanes at the junction are blocked because of an overturned lorry just at the M1 uh, Junction 11 and there are queues back to Shakespeare Road there. In Brickett Wood, the North Orbital is heavy at the M25 Junction 21A roundabout and on the trains, London Midland has replacement bus services running between Watford Junction and St Albans Abbey. This is Alice Glossop, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Alice. Lots coming up in the next hour or so, including more on landlords... Private landlords in Milton Keynes, are they getting this short shrift? Also talking more about Barnfield, whatever else you fancy as well. Local and vocal across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. It's seven o'clock, I'm Barry Caffrey. The headlines calls for private landlords in Milton Keynes to plug the housing gap claims Barnfield misled parents over GCSE's success and hopes an Aylesbury man might have a multi-million mané. BBC Three Counties Radio. Milton Keynes Council wants more private landlords to offer homes for rent in an attempt to end the housing crisis in the new city. The authority is currently housing 42 families with children in bed and breakfast accommodation for longer than the six-week legal limit. Our Milton Keynes reporter, Craig Lewis, has more. Earlier this year, the council was found to be the worst performing authority outside of London for illegally housing families in B&Bs. Now, it is calling on private landlords in Milton Keynes, whose properties are affordable to tenants on housing benefits, to fill the gap. The council believe there are 5,000 properties in the city which would fall into this category. The Barnfield Federation, which runs a number of colleges and academies in Bedfordshire, is being accused by a parent of suggesting one of its students did better in her GCSEs than she actually did. It comes as the organisation is under government investigation following reports of poor financial management and grade massaging. Barnfield say there was never any intention to mislead parents or pupils and the culture of imprecision is going to be stamped out. A businessman from Luton who fled to Pakistan after being charged with a £1.2 million tax fraud has been found guilty in his absence. Mohammed Farooq of Old Bedford Road had failed to make income tax and VAT payments for more than 11 years. Gail Sanderson has more. 
Luton Crown Court heard how Farouk bought Stuart House in Luton in 2001 and charged VAT to his tenants, including Lutonborough Council, but paid barely any VAT himself. The 53-year-old was found guilty of two offences, of cheating the public revenue out of income tax and VAT. He also had previous convictions for theft and fraud in 1982 and 1986. The court heard how a warrant for his arrest is now outstanding. An Aylesbury man believes a painting he bought for just over £100 could be worth up to £100 million. Rad Novakovic bought the painting at auction four years ago. He thinks it could be one of Edouard Manet's last works. This senior assistant keeper of Western art at the Ashmolean Museum in Oxford isn't so sure though. I must say I'm that first um, diagnosis is not very promising. The painting doesn't look anything like a Manny from any period of his work, although I know it's supposed to have been done in the last year of his life when he was dying and ill. Nevertheless, the whole style of the picture is completely wrong. In sport, Chelsea are through to the quarterfinals of the League Cup. They won 2-0 at Arsenal last night. Stoke booked their place, beating Birmingham 4-2 on penalties. And champion side Leicester City caused a shock as they beat Fulham 4-3. And the weather after a cold start, there'll be long spells of sunshine across most parts of the three counties. The winds will be light at first, but the southerly breeze will gradually develop during the afternoon. Maximum temperatures of 13 degrees Celsius, that's 55 degrees Fahrenheit. And you can get the latest news and sport online, and that's at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. Thank you very much. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. It's still dark out there. This whole putting the clocks back thing, I find it very confusing. It takes me about four or five months to get used to it, and then we kind of shift it again. Anyway, lots coming up between uh, now and nine o'clock, including there are calls for private landlords to plug the housing gap. But is it really as simple as that? Claims are being made by one parent that Barnfield has misled parents over GCSE success. We'll be speaking to that parent a little bit later on in this hour. And there are hopes that an Aylesbury man might have a multi-million pound manet. And we're sending Justin out this morning to ask you, what puts you off people? Catherine Jenkins sleeps with her eyes open. Well, it's a little bit unpleasant, isn't it? I did the same thing, though. I, I don't mind. I don't notice it. What puts you off people? Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. You can send me a text, 81333. Start your text, 3CR. Or you can give me a call, 08459 455 555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, housing lists, as we know, are full to bursting across the country with way more people on the waiting list than councils have empty homes. But Milton Keynes have come up with a cunning plan. They're going to plug the gap with private landlords. So if you've uh, bought to let, Milton Keynes are urging you to get in touch so you can work in partnership. Now, it sounds like a public spirited, possibly even a noble thing to do, but would you live to regret it? Do give us a shout if you are a landlord and if it's working fine for you. Uh, but, but the message we've been getting back has been less than positive. 08459 455 555. Joined in the studio now by Jean Samtula from Letchworth Garden City. Good morning, Jean. Good morning, Ian. Uh, now, you've been letting your property, haven't you, to someone on benefits? That's right, yes. How has that worked out? Not good. <laughs> Why? Let's go back a bit. Why did you initially decide to do that? Well, I had it. I had my my 
it's a two-bedroom flat in Enfield, and um, it's been with the agents, um, management agents, and they just get the, the tenants, of course. And um, this tenant, um, they got this tenant in 2009, and um, they said to me, she's on benefits, but no, no problem, because you'll be getting your money from the council anyway. And um, that was it. The tenant moved in in March 2009, and... Um, that's and it was what, fine to start with. The was money fine. was coming in. Oh yes, it was fine to start with. The money used to, the, the council used to send the money to the tenant, and the tenant would um, um, transfer it to my account. Then after a few months, she um, stopped paying, and she was in arrears. Mm. And um, for a few months, and the agents contacted the council, and of course told the council she was in arrears. And the council then um, started to pay the rent to the management agent. Okay, and then they forwarded it to us, and it's been ever since okay over three years so she's she is she in debt at the moment she is she how much is she in debt by well she's now 445 pounds i think the council has been paying it anyway right yes so i mean that money is obviously important to you have absolutely you, how have you tri- have you gone about trying to get it what have you done well i've um written to her on many occasions um over the years to ask for the you know to, to start paying some money towards the, um, her ears. Mm. And the agents also, they've uh, written to her on several occasions as well, but sometimes she pays some, sometimes she doesn't. Okay. And um, yes, but she's, she's been on benefits um, for four years since she's been in my property. Well, that's, that's very sad, but that's not your problem. Absolutely it? not. Really? Does she reply to the letters that you sent Never. Her? Never. She's never replied. Have you, have you tried to... Did you make moves to try and get her out? Well, I didn't at the time. I must admit, I did not. The agent said, well, um, you're still getting, you know, some uh, you, you, the money monthly from, from, the, from the council. Mm. So, you know, so far, might as well leave it. But then she gave um, her notice in, which we've ac- we accepted. And then she um, decided she didn't go. She oh. just didn't go. She complained about all sorts of different things that was going wrong, the disrepair. And, of course, we went to send our builders in and send various people in to check it out. Yeah. Whatever that was wrong is mainly quite a lot was to do with her damaging the property. What, what kind of damage had she done? Well, the, um, she, the kitchen, it was a brand new kitchen that was fitted before she moved in. And she broke the doors and we had to keep, well, the, the, the um, workman was going in sort of, he's been in a few times to mend the doors and she burnt the working surface in the kitchen. Mm. She's, um, the wardrobe doors were all broken off and several things. How do you break mm. a wardrobe door off? That oh, takes some know. bashing, doesn't it? I know, absolutely. Well, the, the workman said that what she did, she thought, put, filled the wardrobes to such a, you know, so much. Bursting that point. Bursting point, exactly. Yeah. That, of course, the doors were sort of, you know, not, not shut properly and the well, that's what happened anyway. Have yeah. you rented uh, before or, or, or since to um, people who are not on benefits? Yes, I have. And yeah. how did you find that? No problem whatsoever. Really? Yes. Not, the, man, the management agent, the lady who now works there, she was living in my property for over two years. She was absolutely amazing. Yeah. She was, oh, amazing. Great. Would you, <laughs> would you rent to people on benefits again? Never. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. She's now suing me for £25,000 damages. Sorry? Yes. Why? Well, she said disrepair, mould and damp and disrepair and, well, and damages for her um, health, apparently. It has affected her health. And um, Why? She says she's on benefits for four years. Do we know why she's on benefits? I have no idea. She's only 40. Right. No idea. She's got one child and she's been on benefits all that time. And before she moved into my property, I understand as well. Right. She's suing you for £25,000. I mean, she Mm. owes you money. Absolutely. How does that make you feel? Oh, 
Terrible. Yeah. <laughs> very stressful. Are you a nightmare landlord? I am certainly not. Because you look very prim and proper here this morning. I'm suspecting that you could have a temper on you. Have you got a temper on you? I haven't really. Not with, no. not, not with people. I'm no. very calm when it yep. comes to anything. And I know the agents was the one. They, they dealt they with deal everything with anyway. So okay. very rarely. We, only, of course, if the agent phoned and said there's a problem. And then my ex-husband was the one who'd get the people in to right. do the work. And, you know... That sort of thing, but in, I never got involved at all. Jean, stay there. We're joined on the line now by uh, Tessa Shepperson, who is the solicitor behind the website Landlord LandlordLaw.co.uk. Did I get that right? Yes, that's right. It Good morning. Be- it became. A, I saw it approaching, and I, it was going to be a tongue twister. Yes. Uh, why are private? We, we've heard uh, uh, Jean's story there. Why are private landlords reluctant to rent out properties to people on benefits? Do you think, Tessa? Um, well, there are potentially more problems. I should say, first of all, that it can work out fine. You know, not all of tenants course. are like are like Jean's tenants. Some of them are, are lovely people, and um, and you know, it, it will be fine. But it, it can cause problems. Um, I've got a little story from my own experience, which um, might be helpful to, to sort of explain yes, the problems that that can arise. Um, I was contacted by a landlord um, who we'll call Kate, and um, she just had the one property. And um, she, was, she was approached by a young lady, charming young lady with a child um, who was on benefits. And she said, look, I can't find anywhere to live. No landlords want me. And, and Kate thought that she'd do a good deed and let the property to, to this young lady, um, which she did. And to start with, it was perfectly all right. Um, and then for some reason, her benefits were reduced and they were no longer sufficient to meet the rent. Mm. Um, now, the, the landlord, Kate, I mean, she's not a particularly wealthy person. It was the only property that she had, and she obviously needed the rent to pay her own expenses, so this put her in some difficulties. Um, the tenant came to her, and he said, she said, look, you know, I'm in some difficulty. I want to be rehoused by the local authority um, to, to, to go somewhere that I can afford, because I can no longer afford your property. But the local authorities say to me that although I am eligible to be rehoused sort of on financial benefits, they can't rehouse me unless you evict me. If I move out and go and sleep on my mother-in-law's sofa with my little boy, I lose my right to be rehoused. Can you please evict me so I can be rehoused by the local authority? So then Kate came to me and we went through the eviction procedure. It was actually quite a quick eviction in eviction terms. It took about three and a half months. But still, uh, three, three and a half months, I'd imagine, when Kate isn't getting any money. Well, she, is, she was getting some money, right, but, but not she enough. wasn't getting her full rent, so there was a shortfall every month, and the longer she was there. Um, and um, we, we did get her out in the end, but of course, Kate was short of money. She, she'd lost money on, on the rent because there was a shortfall, and she had to ma- pay my fees for evicting her. Wow. Um, Jean, you're, you're nodding at this. Have you, you've, you've heard about this as well, have you? Oh, yes. Yes. Um, I've... Well, the tenant, um, the, the, well, the, the management agent told me that the tenant wants to be evicted. Oh. She went to the council and the council told her, well, wants to, to rehousing by the yeah. council. The council said, well, yes, you can go, but we're not going to be paying the deposit for you. So um, the, the agents, the management agents told me that they believe that's the reason why she's been making all these complaints and all sorts of different things. She and wants you to evict her. Yeah, she, so yeah. she gets, yeah. That yeah. seems very unfair on the landlord, Tessa. It is very unfair on the landlord, and um, as I said, most of them are not particularly wealthy people. I mean, obviously, they're fairly comfortably off, otherwise they wouldn't yeah. own another property, but, I mean, they're not millionaires. You know, so you can, understand, you can understand, then, why people are reluctant to, to take people on benefits and, and work in partnership with the council. 
Well, yes. Um, it is very unfortunate, but I mean, there, there do tend to be more problems associated with benefit tenants than with, than with not benefit tenants. There is this problem about if they need to be rehoused, they're told to stay there until they are evicted, and that, that, that causes a lot of problems all round. Um, even if, like in Kate's case, they're both very nice parties and, mm. and, and uh, you know, uh, get on well. Even there, there were these problems. So and Kate said to me, I'm never going to let to benefit tenants again. I can't afford which it. Which is sad, isn't it? Because, as you say, the majority of them are, are, are great. Of course they are. And councils are actually giving this advice to the tenants, are they? Saying, look, we, we can rehouse you, but you need to get evicted, so stay there for as long as you can until you get booted out. I can understand it from the council's point of view, um, because they have limited properties to put people in. Yep. I mean, they have a statutory duty to rehouse tenants in certain circumstances, but, I mean, if they don't actually physically have the properties to put them in, what are they supposed to do? Um, a lot of um, council properties have been sold off under Mrs. Tenant, uh, Mrs. Thatcher's right to buy. Um, you know, so, they, so what they do is they put, put it off as long as possible so that, you know, the ones that are absolutely at crunch time, I mean, the, the time when they actually got to rehouse them, if they are eligible, is, is when the bailiff comes to evict them. Mm. But that, that takes quite a while. I mean, it <laughs> took my lady about three to four months wow. to do that. Tessa, I appreciate your time this morning. That's uh, Tessa Shepperson, who is the solicitor behind the website landlordlaw.co.uk. Uh, uh, Jean, what's, what's next for you, then? Where, where do you go from here? Well, I've... I've um... <laughs> I am, um, well, this management agent served with a section 21 in March. And what did that, is that an eviction notice? Yeah, well, no, it, well, yes, it's right. a possession order okay. by the court. The court will, and the court gave a date um, for her to move up. But of course, as um, um, Tess has just said, um, they, they would have to get the bailiffs. We'd have to get the bailiffs in. And that's a very long process. And um, so the, the council would not rehouse her before mm-hmm. then, because if she d- did leave the date that the court gave to her, then she would put, be potentially homeless. Wow. And the, court, the council would not rehouse her. Hence, we had to get the bailiffs and um, got a date on the 30th of September. And um, her solicitor um, told her, well, s- s- um, how can I put it? The solicitor um, went back to court and said that... Um, um, I did not register her deposit, which I did anyway. And I just, it's just, it's delaying tactics anyway. Jean, listen, so you, you have the patience of a saint. Thank oh. you. Do keep us informed and let us know mm. what happens. That's mm. uh, Jean Samtula from Letchworth Garden City. Right, it's 7.16. Let's get the latest travel with Alice now. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. On the M1 heading southbound between Junction 9 for Redbourne and 7 at Hemel Hempstead, there was a lane blocked because of an accident. There is an ambulance on the scene. There are queues all the way back to Junction 11 for the A505 Dunstable Road. Travel time's about half an hour there. On the M25 heading clockwise, that's down to two lanes after an accident between 24 for Potter's Bar and 25 for Enfield in the roadworks area. That's causing queues back to 23 for South Mims. In Luton, on Dunstable Road heading eastbound, two lanes are blocked at the junction under the M1. There are queues, um, and there's, that's because of an overturned lorry. The delays are going past the hospital there. In Bricketwood, on the North Orbital, things are heavy at the M25 Junction 21A roundabout. And on the trains, London Midland have a replacement bus service running between Watford Junction and St Albans Abbey because of a fallen tree on the line until next Thursday, that's going to be. This is Alice Glossop, BBC Three Counties Radio. Excellent stuff, Alice. Thank you very much. Right, it's 7.17. It's uh, Wednesday, the 30th of October. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Milton Keynes Council wants more private landlords to offer homes for rent in an attempt to end the housing crisis there. 
A businessman from Luton who fled to Pakistan after being charged with a £1.2 million tax fraud has been found guilty in his absence. And in sport, Chelsea are through to the quarter-finals of the League Cup. They won 2-0 at Arsenal. Weather today, it's going to be chilly, uh, but a clear start for many. Sunny spells later, highest temperatures of 13 degrees. Coming up, more news on the organisation which runs a number of colleges and academies in Bedfordshire. BBC Three Counties Radio. Roberto Peroni. I can bring you now some good news for women. What do you look like in a pair of Speedos or swimming trunks? A pumpkin had been stolen from outside a hairdresser's salon. We've had lots of support since your programme, lots of phone calls telling us not to worry and everyone's looking out for them. What could I do to bring a smile to Dame Kelly Holmes's face? <laughs> do you know what that sound is? I do. They're alpacas. I've got six alpacas, they're lovely, everyone takes the mickey. Roberto Peroni, weekdays from three, on BBC Three Counties Radio. So, uh, Catherine Jenkins um, sleeps with her eyes open. Would that put you off? A girl dumped me once because I slept with my eyes open. What puts you off, people, that uh, you know? Maybe maybe you've split up with a partner because they've got a horrible, disgusting habit. Well, we've sent our man on the street, Justin Daly, out to find out. And, and just to say, Justin Daly, I don't think has any disgusting habits. I can't think of one. Oh, no, hang on. I can think of hundreds of them. I can think of hundreds of them. Do give us a call. 08459 455 555 uh, or go to facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. Now, more news on the organisation which runs a number of colleges and academies in Bedfordshire. Last week, we told you that the Barnfield Federation is being investigated by the government on suspicion of poor financial management and grade massaging. Well, we've been asking you to get in touch if you've had any dealings with Barnfield. Maybe you work there or maybe uh, you have uh, children or grandchildren that go there. And some of you have got in touch with various stories. Uh, And one of those people was uh, Louise. It's not her real name, but she's a mum whose two daughters have attended one of Barnfield Academies. Morning, Louise. Thank you for coming in. Morning. Just come a little bit closer to the microphone. Now, this story centres around, is it your your youngest daughter? It's my oldest daughter. Your eldest daughter. Tell me what happened. Um, She completed her GCSEs. She left um, Barnfield uh, about May, June time of this year. And um, I was under the impression that she uh, got no A-star to C grades in her GCSEs. But when my youngest daughter went on um, to an open evening about three weeks ago, um, my eldest daughter's picture was displayed stating that she had A-star to C grades. So hang on, where, where was this, how, where and how was this displayed? Um, there was like um, display boards in the, um, as you walk into Barnfield. Okay, so kind of in the reception area. Yeah, you walk into the reception, yeah. go through, and there's like display boards. And it was a picture of your eldest daughter? Yeah. And, and what did it say? It just had her picture, her name, and underneath had eight A-star to C grades. And she didn't get any A-star no, to C grades, no. did she? no. And we, we've looked at this. She had she got um, some passes and BTEC courses, yeah. didn't she? But she, but not in the GCSEs. Not in GCSEs, no. It was your da- your youngest daughter that spotted this. It was my youngest daughter from my husband. Jim. So so they ca- they come back home and they say, Louise, you're not going to believe what we've just seen. We've 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 seen our oldest daughter. It's saying she's got eight uh, A to C's grades GCSEs. How did you react to that? Um, my first reaction was, did you speak to anybody and did you take a picture? And no, they, there was nobody around to speak to, mm. and they never got a picture. 
but I sent my youngest daughter into school the next day mm. and asked her to get a picture before the board was taken down so that I had proof. And so this board was there so that there'll be lots of parents coming in, lots of people coming yeah. in would see it and they go, hey, fantastic, look at this, yeah. look at this uh, young lady. And I'm assuming there are pictures of other children as well yeah. that had, had, had achieved that. Did you speak to the school? Um, I went down there, yes, and asked to speak to somebody about it. Yeah. Uh, I got a phone call back and the lady on the phone, she was quite abrupt to me. Yeah. Um, as if, to, you know, to say to me, you know, how dare you question our results? And she told me that um, because Alicia had done BTEC courses, um, she'd done like, OC national courses, that the pass rates that she got in there were the equivalent to a C grade in GCSE. OK, but still, it, it would seem to me, as an outsider, it would seem a little bit misleading to, uh, to, to have a sign saying this, this young lady got eight A star to C grade GCSEs, but actually, if you were to delve deeper... She got kind of an equivalent to C yeah. in BTEC. So it seems a little bit um, uh, misleading, I think is a polite yeah. way of putting yeah. it. And when she explained this to you, this person on the phone explained this to you, did you kind of just accept it and go, oh, OK, thanks? Or... No, I thought there was a little more to it than that. Yeah. So I, I was under the impression that BTEC courses are actually easier than GCSE. Mm. So, you know, I was under the impression that, you know... Uh, and, and she wasn't able to stay on and do the A levels there, was she? Because she no, hadn't she got no, she hadn't she, got the right grades. Yeah, and she went to her. Um, she did go to her sixth form interview after she got her results. Yeah, and she was just told um, you don't have grades um, good enough to come to the sixth form here. Go try um, Barnfield College or somewhere else. She was yeah. given no names to contact. Right. And when I got home to see her, she just she looked quite unhappy. Yeah. And she said, you know, um, why, am I, uh, why am I so stupid? She said, why can't oh. I pass my exams like everybody else? Tell her, I was, I, I was terrible at exams. Some people just aren't <laughs> suited to exams, and I'm, I'm one of them. I said, well, that's, that's very sad that she felt like that. They suggested she go to Barnfield College. Did she, did she go there and, and chat no, to people didn't. there? Why not? Um, well, with the way they treated her, I didn't want, really want her to go there. Yeah. So we found another um, organisation that, you know, we went to have a look. Yeah. And she enrolled there and then. They were happy to take her on. It seems odd as well that if they were using her as a poster girl to promote the school's achievements, yeah. and then, then she goes to join the sixth one, they say, well, yeah, you actually are not good enough yeah. to come in. You've not got the grades yeah. that are re required. That, again, must have been a... I mean, she was obviously very upset. Yeah, she bless was. Her. That must have been a blow for you as well. It was. I mean, I went on to tell her, you know, that you know, grades don't really mean anything. You know, you can do and be whatever you want to be. And that sort of lifted her a little bit. And when yeah. she got into the course that she went for, that also boosted her confidence. Good, good. And, I mean, today she's a different person. Really? Yeah, and So she's out, she's out of the, the kind of Barnfield family now, isn't she? She is, yeah. And she's, she's happier? She's enjoying herself? She's really happy, yeah, really enjoying herself. Yeah. yeah. You forget at that, at that age, you know, you just say one little thing and it can send someone off, you know, yeah. into a spiral of self-doubt yeah. and hatred, yeah. can't it? It can. Uh, so, so just to kind of summarise and wrap all this up, uh, you're, you must obviously be unhappy with what Barnfield have done yes, and the way they've treated you and your daughter. Yeah, yeah, I am very yeah. unhappy. Uh, we've got uh, we've spoken to Barfield Federation and they've told us there was never any intention to mislead parents or pupils. The Star Achiever Board, I think that's what we're referring to, I didn't know how to name the Star Achiever Board, was intended to give pupils confidence in their achievements. This culture of imprecision 
is going to be stamped out and Barfield will not be doing this going forward. So they've, they've accepted that it's, um, uh, that while it's not illegal, it's perhaps uh, deceptive and they won't be doing that anymore. How does that make you feel? Um, well, it's already been done now. Yeah. You know, the um, doubts have already been put into my daughter's head, you know. It made her feel stupid. Mm. You know, you can't turn back what they've already done. We've, I, I, I do have to say as well, we've, we've spoken to a couple of educational experts. This isn't exclusive to Barnfield. This kind of thing, apparently, does happen in, in some mm. other places, which as a, as a parent, and my boys are a, a little at the moment, but you ex- I, I walked into schools and, uh, you know, pl- things like that, and you, you walk in and you see these boards with all the achievements, and of course your reaction is... Wow, look at the number of pupils that have achieved all of these grades. This must be a fantastic place. And it's interesting to find out that it doesn't always necessarily refer to exactly what's going on. Louise, I, I really appreciate you getting in touch with us. I know you're a little bit nervous for coming in, but I, I hope it wasn't particularly painful. I hope we've treated no, you well. No, Thank you very much indeed. If you've got a story uh, about Barnfield, again, as whether you are a, a parent there, and it's very brave of Louise, I think, to come in this morning. So thank you for that. Uh, we, we can change your name if you're a parent, if you've worked there. Um, we are hearing lots of stories and lots of rumours, and of course they're being investigated for uh, accusations of grade massaging uh, and uh, financial impropriety. Do give me an email, ian.lee at bbc.co.uk, and we'll, we'll strict, uh, treat uh, your emails with the strictest confidence, so don't worry. Uh, only me and a couple of members of my team will see them. ian.lee at bbc.co.uk. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. Uh, ian.lee at bbc.co.uk is the email uh, if you want to get in touch. Sorry, I'm a little bit sniffly this morning. Uh, and that's also, uh, get in touch if you've got a story about Barnfield, but also if you've got a story about anything. We have had some cracking stories the last month, I'd say, last three weeks, four weeks, some cracking stories that have come from you. Uh, sending an email either to me, ian.lee at bbc.co.uk or 3cr at bbc.co.uk. And, and I can't stress, they can, they can be about anything. They can be a huge thing that affects the entire three counties or they can be a tiny thing that affects you in your bedroom. It can be anything like that. Don't think it's too trivial. or do, We will have a look at it. ian.lee at bbc.co.uk. You can also give us a call as well. If you haven't got access to the internet, 08459 455 555. Uh, let us know what it is. Try and give us as many details as you can. Uh, and if it's right for the show, then, you, hey, you may, you may get to meet Justin Dealey, huh? It doesn't come much better than that. Uh, but if it's right for the show, then we'll certainly feature it in this show and uh, we'll, we'll try and uh, look into it as deep as we can. If it's not right for the show, we've got lots of other shows. It, uh, it might be right for JVS or for Nick or for Roberto and uh, we will forward it on to the relevant party. So all of your emails and all of your Facebook comments and all of your uh, phone calls get looked at and indeed listened to. 08459 455555. Coming up to half past seven on BBC Three Counties. Let's get the travel now. Here's Alice Glossop. Travel news for beds, cards, and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
Thank you very much. On the M1 heading southbound between Junction 9 for Redbourne and 7 for Hemel Hempstead, there are queues because of an accident that left a white van blocking Lane 4. That has now been moved onto the hard shoulder, but there are long delays all the way back from Luton and travel time is about 45 minutes. On the M25 going clockwise, all lanes have been reopened after an earlier accident which closed one of the lanes through the roadworks at 24 for Potter's Bar and 25 for Enfield. That is still causing queues back to 23 for South Mims though. Anti-clockwise on the M25, things are slow around Junction 20 for Kings Langley. And in Luton, we've had calls from Bob, Amy and Michael to update us on this, so thank you for that. Dunstable Road heading eastbound has two lanes blocked at the junction under the M11. That's because of an overturned lorry. There are delays there past the hospital. On the trains, London Midland still has replacement bus service running between Watford Junction and St Albans Abbey because of a fallen tree on the line. This is Alice Gossip, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Alice. We're also asking this morning, uh, what puts you off, people? We've had a very naughty text from Steve. We're sending Justin Dealey out to investigate this. Investigate. He's going to go and bully a few drunks. No. We've sent Justin Dealey out, and Steve has, has texted us, does Justin Dealey turn the white bedsheets orange? I'm hoping you're talking about his, his tan, nothing else. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. It's half past seven, I'm Barry Caffrey. The headlines, Milton Keynes Council wants more private landlords to offer homes for rent in an attempt to end the housing crisis there. The authority is currently housing 42 families with children in B&B accommodation for longer than the six-week legal limit. The Barnfield Federation, which runs a number of colleges and academies in Bedfordshire, is being accused by a parent of suggesting one of its students did better in her GCSEs than she actually did. It comes as the organisation is under government investigation following reports of poor financial management and grade massaging. Barnfield say there was never any intention to mislead parents or pupils and the culture of imprecision is going to be stamped out. The government is to introduce a cap on the charges imposed on workplace pensions. Ministers say they want a full frontal assault on administration charges to stop savings being whittled away. And the weather after a cold start this morning, there will be long spells of sunshine today. Maximum temperatures of 13 degrees Celsius and that's 55 degrees Fahrenheit. Three Counties Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. Chelsea won 2-0 at Arsenal as they progressed to the quarter-finals of the League Cup. Spanish international Juan Mata was one of their goal scorers and he says he's just trying to impress his manager. I always tried my best, every training session, every game and today is what I did. Obviously we have 24-25 players but everyone wants to play. At the end of the day it's a manager decision but I just try my best and respect all my teammates and just try to score an assist like I did today. Well, Leicester City, who are second in the championship, caused a shock as they reached the last eight. They beat Premiership side Fulham 4-3. Stoke City are also through. They won 4-2 on penalties at Birmingham. In tonight's fourth round league cup action, Newcastle play Manchester City at St James's Park and Tottenham take on Hull. England's cricketers will be without captain Alistair Cook, Kevin Peterson, Stuart Broad and Monty Panesar for their first tour match against West Australia, which starts later tonight. Cook has a bad back while Panesar has a bug. Peterson and Broad are both being rested. BBC Three Counties News and Sport. Oliver Full Bulletin at eight. Call 08459 555 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. I've just had an idea for a show, Catherine. I've just had an idea for a show for us. You know we come in and and the shows 
are prepped to... Uh, how can I finish that sentence without Perfection. swearing? Perfection. Perfection. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, and uh, we get lots of stuff that's set up the day before, and, and we have a fantastic team uh, that uh, really research all the stories and give us lots of stuff. And then we come in and we take bits out, we add bits, we go through the papers. Blah, blah, blah. How about one day, I don't know, maybe for children in need, we do a show with nothing. We come in with nothing. Right. We come in, we have nothing. We have nothing. We have nothing. We bring in the newspapers. We open up the phone lines. People phone in with their stories. We look for stuff in the newspapers. And we do the whole three hours from scratch. Right. One, I'm hearing that could go horribly wrong. But yes. two, yes. I'm hearing that means the day before we could knock off early. That's, that's kind of what you should focus on more, I think. What I'll do is I'll pitch it to the boss. <laughs> oh, no, no! You've misunderstood. Well, we don't tell them. No, we can't tell them because they'll go, uh, no. But if we say, ah, okay. We've got an experimental radio. It's if we say so it's, exciting. We're in the vanguard and the cutting edge and all that. If we say it's for children in need, yeah. they can't say no because it's for sick for children. children. It's for children. You pitch it to the bosses and let me know when they say no and then I'll tell you when we're going to do it. And just to get this straight, I don't mention knocking off early. No, 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 no. We just do it. Yeah, thanks very much indeed. It might work. It might not. That's what would make it so exciting, isn't it? We've been talking uh, about landlords uh, this morning because, as we know, housing lists are full to bursting. But Milton Keynes are asking uh, you, private landlords, to plug the housing gap. Have you had experience um, renting out your property to people on benefits? I'm not knocking people on benefits. Please don't think that. I'm not Julia Hartley Brewer on LBC. I'm, I'm not. Okay, and I'm sure that there are a significant number of uh, 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 benefits um, uh, uh, people in in private properties that are fantastic. The problem is with uh, people uh, on benefits that they can't get rehoused by the council until you, as a private landlord, evict them, and that can take months, months of uh, an expense. So what have been your uh, uh, stories? Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Earlier on we spoke to Jean Samtula from Letchworth Garden City. Well, Barbara uh, heard that. And Barbara's in Stevenage. You've got some advice for Jean, have you? Yeah. Uh, what you do is you ring the council and say that, well, I mean to say this particular woman wants to sue her. Or you say... Um, this, you was the, this was the, the tenant that wanted yeah, to sue yeah, Jean yeah, the landlord, yeah. yes. You'd simply turn around and say, well, if the property's in such a bad state, I'll put it up for sale. And because it's your house, there's nothing they can do about it. Uh, ah, uh, you see, and they put the house up for sale, and therefore um, uh, you get another uh, person to uh, purchase it, uh-huh. and then you put the rent up. But hang on, you've sold the house. Well. Oh, you're saying you sell it to a stooge. Well, you could do. You could actually, you know, yes. You write to the woman and say, since you're suing me for the house, um, you know, suing me for the money, then you just say, right, well, I'm selling the house because you can't, I can't afford to pay you other than to sell the house under you. I, 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 it sounds like a cunning plan. It also sounds vaguely illegal. I don't. I don't know no, what no, the laws no, on no, this no, are. No, but I mean, just say if you put the house up for sale because the woman wants to, um, you know, it doesn't have to sell straight away, and you you inform the council you're putting it up for sale because she's suing you. I mean to say, and they have to go to route to uh, have the place place. But then when they find out that you haven't sold, no, but you can't sell. You can. Yeah. To, but to whom? To anybody who wants to buy it. 
but I don't want to sell my house. I want to rent it out and have that as a, as a, an income. Yeah, but you cannot. You can yes, but then you've uh, got the money. You've got the money for the house. But I don't want the money for the house. I want my portfolio of properties to expand. Do you well, see? This, uh, listen, I don't have yes, a portfolio. I, I understand that. But it it seems a rather drastic. You, you can. You can. Yes, but that's the only way you yeah. can actually get out of these things because obviously. Um, the council, you know, the council want your house, and and if the person won't get out, or the person she's having problems getting her out, then the only way is to put the house up for sale. Barbara, I appreciate uh, you obviously given that some thought. I, I'm guessing she reads a lot of Miss Marple or Agatha Christie because it's a very devious mind there, Barbara. Uh, it, it seems a lot of hassle just to get rid of someone, and it still means you've got maybe two, three, four months when the house is on the market where you're not getting your money. Steve's in Luton. Good morning, Steve. Hello, morning. Steve, what can I do for you? Yeah, I, I do think there's a bit of discrimination against people who are on the social or even working class people when you're looking to rent a property. If you look in the Herald and Post, <coughs> one, one, one of the adverts will say professionals only, which to me is people who work in offices. They don't want like builders or other people renting the property out. I might be wrong, but they say professional. Also, it says no DSX. I mean... That's discrimination on a financial or whatever reasons people have got these landlords. You know, they've obviously had bad experiences, but it's still discrimination. Why, why are they tied with a, you know, with a different... You know, the people that are on the dole or that are non-professionals are either scumbags or can't look after ours or something like that. And it's blatant. But we, we're hearing stories, Steve, about landlords who are having a tough time with uh, people on benefits, not getting paid their money, being owed lots of money. And then uh, the, quite often the, the tenant will say, he's being told by the council, look, we can rehouse you, but you need to be evicted. Now, for a landlord to evict someone, it takes months and it costs a lot of money. That's not fair, is it? Well, I mean, it's a, it is a complex... <coughs> but that's it's not fair, complex. is it? Why should I, if I'm renting to you and you're signing on, why yeah. should I lose three, four, five, six months' rent and have to pay to go yeah, to yeah, court why, to get you booted but, but, yeah, out? But why, why is the money gone... Why, why is their money gone down or whatever for paying... Why is their money it's for not, the social it's gone not, down? It's not my problem. I'm, I'm a landlord. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a I'm small businessman. I'm, I'm not just asking the question, what reason? I mean, surely... I mean, either the council should either help. I mean, it's a complex issue. It's something that's out of my thing. Well, it is it's something out of your remit, really. It is complex, Steve. Yeah, but again, if I'm saying. the landlord, I don't care. I want tenants that I know will come in, will respect my property, and will pay me every month. Yeah, that's fair enough. But people do, obviously, people do get on hard times. They can either lose their jobs or the benefits being cut for whatever reason. Get out of my property, Steve, now. Yeah, well, that's wrong because... Get out saying, now. Yeah, You've not paid me. Get out. <laughs> you got no chance. I'll break the doorways up and all the windows. You won't be getting in. Exactly. <laughs> <You> st- <laughs> anyway, no, it is, no, there's got to be a fair line because at the end of the day, you've got to give people a, a bit of time to obviously reorganise and find another place to live. Steve, thank you very much indeed. Oh, what a delightful laugh you have. The laugh of a maniac. Thank you, Steve. Uh, what do you think to what Steve said? It's discrimination. Dis- you, you can't discriminate against people just because they're signing on. I, I tend to agree. Of course you can't. You shouldn't. I need to speak to someone who's, who's got just normal tenants in and has had problems with them. How easy is it to evict those people? Oh, wait, 459 four double five five double five. Now, this morning, we've been uh, asking, what puts you off people? Opera beauty Catherine Jenkins has revealed she sleeps with her eyes open. To be honest, she wouldn't get a look in. I know she's hot, but as soon as I found that out, I'd be, oi, Catherine, get out. 
No, seriously, not wait until morning. Put your clothes on. Out. <laughs> you agree with me, don't you, Justin? Absolutely I no want chance. None of that business. Jenkins, get out now. I'm not. You can oh, call you a girl. You can call a cab from the street. Yeah. Pop it. <laughs> on the front page of the mail as well. I mean, Catherine Jenkins. I've got to be honest, Ian. Nothing would put me off Catherine Jenkins. She is absolutely gorgeous. She's worth millions of pounds. And the key thing. She is a Luton Town supporter. Oh, for goodness sake. She sakes. is, absolutely true. She was a, a primary school teacher in Luton, and uh, what she used to do, when she used to do a lot of these uh, uh, sessions, let's say, in Wales at the uh, the National Stadium there, when she was performing the song, she would always try and mention Luton Town. She is a hatter. So mm. what could possibly put me off Catherine Jenkins? Has anything ever put you off, you know, a, a girl, and you've had to dump them because of something? Yeah, do you know what? Mobile phone obsession. It always gets really? on my nerves, really? that you know what I mean? I'm in front of you. Why do you need a mobile phone? I am your entertainment. I am here for you. Yeah. Mm. Is that the only reason you've, you've dumped? <laughs> I'm here for you. Is that the only reason you've dumped someone? No, no. Uh, somebody said to me once, they came round and they looked at my CD collection and they started laughing at me because it was in alphabetical order. Oh, no. And I said, what? And she goes, well, you're a bit sad, aren't you? You've got your CDs in alphabetical order. And I said... Jenkins, okay. out. I said, um, listen... You're a nice girl. Yeah, quite funny, but this has got to end now. This has got to end. I can't have you laughing at my music collection. Go on, on your way. My CDs are in alphabetical order. Because we're normal people. Well, we're normal, organised, sane people. Do you do the artists in alphabetical order or the albums? I do the artists. Yeah, and then I have different sections for soul. Got a soul and Motown section. I've uh, got a punk section. It's, it's in great order. I bet why your 80s any... section is massive. It's absolutely huge. Room. Why, why would you laugh at that, Ian? No, you, you should have. Because, listen, if I want to find the Beach Boys, I go to the top left. If yes. I want to find uh, Frank Zappa, I go to the bottom right. I know where everything is. <laughs> it's not rocket science. Ladies, if you're laughing at our collection, seriously, you need to look at yourselves and look at yourselves seriously. Now, Justin, you've been speaking... <laughs> look at yourselves seriously! <laughs> I just heard that. You've been speaking to the good people of Beds, Hearts and Bucks about mm. what puts them off, haven't you? I have. I've been asking that very question. What's, uh, what might put you off? And here's what people have had to say. What would put me off, somebody? Smell. Lady Bow. Lady Bow? Lady body odour. Yes, yes. Smell. Yes, yeah, definitely. Have you yeah. come across that problem in the past? You come across it all the time down here. <laughs> <laughs> come on, sir, let's put it out there. What would put you off? I think if she hadn't brought her around the night before in the bar, I think it's the equality. I think everybody should pay their fair whack. If I particularly love that man, uh, it would take a lot to put me off him. But is there something that, that might push you over the edge? A bit of snoring, maybe? Well, my husband snores and we've been married 35 years, so... <laughs> You're just too nice, aren't you? No. <laughs> well, ask him that. <laughs> Thank you very much. You're Morning, madam. What would put you off a man? <laughs> no comment. How can I help? Intercom, man. It's uh, pretty quiet on the streets this morning. Uh, one quick question. Catherine Jenkins, the singer, she sleeps with her eyes open. What would put you off? If she snored, get me awake. And your current partner, does she snore? No. But if she did, would you dump her? Uh, I wouldn't say that, no, because I've got three kids with her. But it would certainly get on your nerves. It would, yeah. OK. Intercom, man, you've been uh, very open this morning. I appreciate your time. Thank you. Yeah, bad breath, yeah. Have you come across that in the past? Not really, no, but it's, uh, you know, not something I, I like anyway, so... Yeah. Uh, I don't think anybody does, do they? No. So you do maybe a little sniff test, and if she passes... You'll carry on that relationship. Yeah, fair enough, yeah. 
Well, there we go, uh, Justin. Uh, lots. Of, I, I like the gentleman who said, yeah, I, I, if she hadn't bought a round the night before. The implication <laughs> being there that, um, that she, she could spend the night and then he'd dump her. Yeah. <laughs> it's a fantastic answer. He was straight out there saying, listen, if you want to be equal, you've got to get that round in the night before. Uh, so th- it is a tough one, isn't it? There, there are lots of things that, that put us off, uh, people, Justin. But, but so people laughing at your CD collection, that does it for you, does it? Yeah, it does, bruv. Like, well annoyed about that. I don't really understand why I should do that. I think it makes perfect sense for, like, Motown to be in the Motown area and alphabetical order and all that. But, but how do, I'm confused. How do you put it in alphabetical order but then have different genres as well? You, like, put alphabeticalise the genres. So, huh. like, for example, Motown, I'd have, like, um, I don't know, Otis Redding, like, under R, and then I'd have, like, different bits of different bits. And, bruv... Both. Perfect. Justin, thank you very so much you indeed. You signed that petition for me, yeah, to get Ian Lee sacked. Yeah, that's the, uh, yeah, 401st signature. Yeah, thank you. He just signed there. Yeah, if we can hopefully get him out before Christmas. Can, can we hear the other person's yes. voice, Justin? Yes. OK. Helen, can you say hello? Morning. There you oh. go, she's there. Oh, blimey. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. The M1 southbound between Junction 9 for Redbourne and 7 for Hemel Hempstead is still queuing because of an earlier accident. Uh, there are long delays from Luton and travel time is still about 45 minutes there. On the M25 going clockwise, that traffic has cleared between 24 for Potters Bar and 25 for Enfield now. In Luton, we've had calls from Bob, Amy and Michael to update us on this, so thank you for that. Dunstable Road heading eastbound is now closed at the junction under the M11. That's because of an overturned lorry and a fuel spillage. There are delays past the hospital and the police have said that the road will be closed for several hours to clear up that oil. In Brickett Wood, North Orbital is heavy at the M25, Junction 21A roundabout. And on the trains, London Midlands have a replacement bus service running between Watford Junction and St Albans Abbey. The Metropolitan Line has minor delays between Harrow on the Hill and Aldgate because of a signal failure at Wembley Park. I'm Alice Glossop, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much indeed. 7.47, it is uh, Wednesday the 30th of October, I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. There are calls for private landlords in Milton Keynes to help plug the housing gap there. The government says it wants to obtain better value for money by introducing a cap on the charges imposed on workplace pensions. And in sport, Chelsea have booked their place in the quarter-finals of the League Cup. They won 2-0 at Arsenal. Coming up, an Aylesbury man believes he's bought a painting for just over 100 quid that could be worth up to £100 million. To be honest, I've gone off him a little bit. I asked for £50,000. He he politely rebuffed me. Naughty, naughty. Well, we're going to get an expert to have a look at it and find out if it is worth a jaw-dropping £100 million. Before that, though, let's get the latest weather. Here's Georgina. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Hello there, quite a crisp autumnal morning, so a bright but chilly start to the day with a fair amount of sunshine around until it clouds over this afternoon. Now that's ahead of a band of rain which will be coming through probably not until after dark, but it will certainly be heavy when it does. And we've got a south or southwesterly wind strengthening a touch later on. Temperatures expected to reach 13 degrees Celsius. So tonight we have that rain through the night. Uh, It's going to be fairly heavy at times, but should clear by the morning and temperatures down to 7 degrees Celsius. 
So tomorrow we've got some sunny spells around, but also uh, varying amounts of cloud. Now there is showery rain coming in from the northeast, but it might not quite make it as far as us. But it's worth being aware of just in case. Temperatures reaching 13 degrees Celsius. And then as we head through towards the weekend, we've got uh, two waves moving through. One's going to bring moderate rain. The second looks like it could bring gales to severe gales and heavy rain, but hopefully not as bad as it was on Monday. We'll keep you updated on that front. This is your latest forecast. Every weekday from 12, Nick Coffer brings you... Going from the same to to Bond was rather like a a diamond being put into a much more expensive, intricate setting. I believe women have affairs because they seek love and affirmation. So, you know, my marriage went wrong and I had an affair, but I would not have done that had I not been unhappy, I think. I left school wanting to be a magician, but my mother wouldn't let me because my auntie Maureen was in show business and she was a naughty lady. Nick Coffer, weekdays from... 12 on BBC Three Counties Radio. So, housing lists full to bursting across the country. We all know that. We do stories on this quite often. But Milton Keynes have come up with a way to sort the problem out. They want to plug the gap with private landlords. So if you've bought to let, Milton Keynes are urging you to get in touch so you can work in partnership. Now, it sounds like a public-spirited, fair thing to do, but could you live to regret it? We're hearing stories uh, today from people who have had tough times with uh, um, tenants who are on benefits. Can be quite tricky. If you've had good times with uh, good times, if you've had uh, good experiences with with tenants who are on benefits, do give us a call as well. Oh eight four five nine four double five. Andy's in Luton. Good morning, Andy. Yeah, good morning, Andy. Yeah. You're, you're a landlord, are you? I am. Yeah, I, I own a property in Plymouth, which I, I bought specifically to uh, uh, to rent out. Um, and you've been I renting it to people tenants. on benefits, have you? Well, re- rented it to, to to a disabled lady um, who was who was recommended to me. I've never never actually received any money from from, from uh, Plymouth Council through the benefit system. Hang on a second. So, how long has has this lady been been in the property? Two years, four months. So two years, four months. Yeah. And have you had any money in that time? No, well, I don't get any money from her. I've put lodgers into the place, but um, the lodgers, basically she irritates the lodgers and in the end they leave anyway, so I'm only getting intermittent income from two lodgers. Have you spoken to this woman? Yeah, I've spoken to her loads of times. I ended up going through my lawyer, but um, I tried to evict her, and she got, got a charity called Shelter Involved. Right. Um, and... I just don't have the money because I'm not getting any, any, any uh, very little money from the house. I don't have the, the money to be able to um, um, fight. Well, to follow it through, it's an expensive business. So you, you've spoken to her personally. What did she say to you the last time you spoke to her? Um, she's all very nice, but she says, you know, I, 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 I can't be made homeless. She says that the council, the council won't, won't rehouse me. She said because. Um, if I leave, leave your house and make myself intentionally homeless, she says, I'm stuck here, I'm not going. Uh, and, and have you spoken to the council about this? I spoke to the council and they, they say, yeah, that's OK. If, if, if she leaves there, she, she makes herself intentionally homeless and they won't offer her anywhere to live. We've been told that what you need to do is you, you need to evict her. That, that, that's the only option open to you. But I suppose if, if shelter are getting involved, that, that makes it harder, does it? Yeah, yeah, I mean, I've had various meetings. I mean, the, the reason I've got um, lodgers in the house is because I, uh, in fact, they, they, they are actually tenants. They're not lodgers, they're tenants. Um, 
was because I went to a meeting with Shelter um, and I said, can I, can I, can I have, lo- have lodgers? And uh, the lady said, no, no way I'm having lodgers in my house. Oh, dear. <laughs> Andy, listen, I... that's a depressing. Two years, four months, he's had no money from her. Now, listen, I feel sorry for the, the woman. No, I don't, no, hang on a second. I don't feel sorry for the woman. She's had a free house for two and a half years. Oh eight four five nine four double five, five double five. Now, an Aylesbury man believes a painting he bought for just over 100 quid could be worth up to £100 million. Rad Novakovic believes the painting which he picked up at auction four years ago could be one of Edward Manet's last works. Did I say that properly, Catherine? Because you're a proper art student, aren't you? Manet. Edouard Manet. Edouard. Everyone knows what you mean. Edouard Manet. He's like Madonna, you can just say Manet. There we go, fantastic. He's vowing to give uh, some of his future millions to the people of Aylesbury, who recently banded together to raise money for life-saving treatment for his son. His son seems to be doing really, really well. And uh, Rad wants to give a couple of million quid back. Now, Rad uh, just spoke to us earlier on. He's joined us on the line now. Morning, Rad. Good morning. I, I, you know, I really hope this is this is it, because wouldn't this be a fantastic story? Absolutely wonderful. You've shown it to, to, to um, the experts before, have you? And yes, uh, I have. Uh, Has anyone agreed with you that this is a Manet? Yes, so I've had a few people who've agreed with me. Um, unofficially, they can't come out and say it, because uh, it requires further investigation. Right. Um, the facts I have are quite incredible. Uh, uh, the problem is, is one has to be very careful how you publicise it because there are unscrupulous people out there. And ideally, what I what I really need is I need to talk to the real professionals because one professional I spoke to, he said, you're going to have a pretty hard time because uh, it's like pop- dropping a pebble in the pond. You'll have to rewrite history oh. if this is proven correct. Well, th- Rad, listen, you, you're being a very good sport this morning and you, you're on the line now. We've got an uh, eminent art critic, Estelle Lovett. Estelle, always nice to talk to you. Thank you for joining us again. Pleasure. Now, we have to just be, be straight here. You haven't actually f- fingered the picture. You have seen a photograph of the picture, haven't you? Yes, I mean, I'd, I'd like to see more details of it and you know from the bottom of my heart I sincerely hope that um, Rad your painting is real especially um, for the future of of your son but looking at it I I was a little bit surprised because I didn't think quite that the palette or the brush strokes matched up but I mean I'm not the expert or the experts that um, Rad spoke to So what what makes you think let's start with the negative first Estelle what makes you think it isn't a Manet? Just that comparing it to, to some of the late Manets that he painted just before he died when he was um, 51, it, it didn't seem to have the um, the throw forward or the knock-on effect of mm. impressionism that he so inspired. He was not an impressionist, but he so inspired it. And, and the brush marks aren't as lively or as fluid or as frequent, and, and the colours aren't as bright. But, you know, I, I wish Rad and all the best, obviously. Could it be, could it be that Manet was experimenting or having an off day or something. Um, Maybe he had a bit of a, you know, a bit of a hangover, and he, he, he wasn't quite up to scratch on this. Well, that's always possible. Artists are, are, are um, frequented by hangovers, but um, when, when I looked at it, I, I thought, oh my goodness, is, is this a Brock? But then I looked at the dates, and Brock wasn't born until eighteen eighty two, and then I thought, oh, is this a Chagall? And Chagall wasn't born until eighteen eighty seven. So. Um, you know, if Rad is saying that it, that it's a Manet, uh, the, the, the dates fit, but um, I think that, well, <laughs> you know, I, I, I wish him all the best, but I'd like, to, I'd like to see some more of the painting. You're not buying see it. See it from a photo. Well, I, I personally am not buying it, no. no. You, he paid 110 quid for it. Yes. 
Is it worth it? Well, if it's a real um, money for a hundred million, then of course it's worth it. But then, listen, how much do you pay if you go into a gallery and you bu- and you buy a print, you know, a poster, you know, and then have it framed? So it's a bargain, whichever way around could, you look at it. What, listen, Rad is convinced by this. What can he do to get a definitive answer? Well, there are auction houses that you can go to. Great auction houses: Sotheby's, Christie's, Phillips. Um, there are Manet experts. There, that the first thing that I would do is, is perhaps go to the galleries and have a look at Manet's face-to-face and, and um, compare them. I mean, I, I understand that um, Rad uh, loves art and has a great appreciation of art and has spent a number of years trying to acknowledge uh, the, the true hand of this painting. Um, and and um, m- maybe that might be worth um, doing again. Rad, um, what's, what's your reaction to what Estelle's saying? Well, I've been all over the place and seen Manet's works face-to-face. I even travelled over to America to the Metropolitan Museum where there's a large collection. And uh, at the time there, uh, one of the things I learned in the past, that certain people are experts but don't realise they're experts. And uh, there happened to be a security guard who worked there. He'd been working there 15 years. I think his name was Perry. And at the time, I was studying the paintings with an eyepiece and taking some photographs. And he asked me what I was doing, rightly so. And uh, I said to him, I'm, uh, 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 I've got a painting which I'm researching, and I believe it could be possibly the work of Edward Manet. So he said, is it possible for you to show me an image? I said, before I show you an image, can I show you a signature, uh, uh, which I think relates to another artist you may know. I didn't want to say it was Edward Manet's signature. And when I showed him the signature on my digital camera, he said to me, oh, that's Edward Manet's signature. His instant reaction. And uh, the, this guy had been there 15 years, mm. walking... Uh, the floorboards there, listening to all the experts, looking at all the paintings, and his instant reaction was that was Edward Manet's signature. I mean, that's just a coincidence. But what I've done is I've gone above and beyond the research. There is a certain particular pigment that Manet used, which most people don't know. And uh, uh, I found it in several Manet paintings. Uh, and all the pigment specialists do not know where that pigment has come from where who produced it or where there's hardly any information on it well in my painting is the same pigment Uh, rad we have to end it there listen i wish you the very best of luck uh do keep us informed with how that's that goes fascinating story and if if perry the security guard believes it go to the facebook page have a look facebook.com forward slash bbc 3cr let's get the travel now here's alice travel news for beds cards and bugs bbc three counties radio Good morning. Still those queues on the M1 southbound between Junction 9 for Redbourne and 7 for Hemel Hempstead. Long delays from Luton. Uh, travel time about 45 minutes after an accident. In Luton, the A505 Dunstable Road heading eastbound is closed at the junction under the M1 because of an overturned lorry and fuel spillage. Police have said that the road will be closed for several hours. On the trains, London Midland have replacement bus services running between Watford Junction and St Albans Abbey because of a fallen tree. That's until Thursday. This is Alice Glossop, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much, Alice. What puts you off? People, partners, boyfriends, girlfriends. 08459 455 555. Take your calls on that and more after the news with Barry Caffrey. Local and vocal across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. It's 8 o'clock, I'm Barry Caffrey. The headlines calls for private landlords in Milton Keynes to plug the housing gap, claims Barnfield misled parents over GCSE success 
and government to impose cap on pension charges. BBC Three Counties Radio. Milton Keynes Council wants more private landlords to offer homes for rent in an attempt to end the housing crisis in the new city. The authority is currently housing 42 families with children in B&B accommodation for longer than the six-week legal limit. Tessa Shepperson is the solicitor behind the website landlordlaw.co.uk and she told Ian Lee this morning that she's not surprised that some landlords don't want to rent to people on benefits. Um, it is very unfortunate, but I mean, there, there do tend to be more problems associated with benefit tenants than with, than with not benefit tenants. There is this problem about if they need to be rehoused, they're told to stay there until they are evicted, and that, that, that causes a lot of problems all round. The Barnfield Federation, which runs a number of colleges and academies in Bedfordshire, is being accused by a parent of suggesting one of its students did better in her GCSEs than she actually did. I was under the impression that she uh, got no A-star to C grades in her GCSEs. But when my youngest daughter went on to an open evening about three weeks ago, um, my eldest daughter's picture was displayed stating that she had A-star to C grades. And she didn't get any A-star to C grades, did she? No. Well, it comes as the organisation is under government investigation following reports of poor financial management and grade massaging. Barnfield say there was never any intention to mislead pupils or parents and the culture of imprecision is going to be stamped out. A businessman from Luton who fled to Pakistan after being charged with a £1.2 million tax fraud has been found guilty in his absence. Mohammed Farouk from Old Bedford Road had failed to make VAT payments and income tax payments for more than 11 years. The 53-year-old was found guilty of two offences of cheating the public revenue. The government says it wants to obtain better value for money by introducing a cap on the charges imposed by workplace pensions. Some employees who contribute to a scheme can end up paying hundreds of thousands of pounds in charges and fees over a lifetime. In sport, Chelsea are through to the quarterfinals of the League Cup. They won 2-0 at Arsenal last night. Stoke booked their place, beating Birmingham 4-2 on penalties. And Leicester City caused a shock as they beat Fulham 4-3. And the weather after a cold start, there will be long spells of sunshine across most parts of the three counties. The winds will be light at first, but the southerly breeze will gradually develop during the afternoon. Maximum temperatures today of 13 degrees Celsius, that's 55 degrees Fahrenheit. Get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio, here every weekday morning between six and nine. Lots coming up in the next hour of the show, including calls for private landlords to plug the housing gap. More on claims that Barnfield misled parents over GCSE success. And, well, Justin Dealey has has really taken the last half an hour to heart. He's mentioning his uh, CDs are in alphabetical order, mine too. He once dumped a girl because she laughed at his CDs. Would you laugh at CDs in alphabetical order? There's nothing wrong with that, is there? Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. Send me a text, 81333. Start your text 3CR or you can give me a call. 08459 455 555. 
across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Before we go any further, we've had uh, a call from Robert in Gravenhurst. Good morning, Robert. Good morning, Ian. Robert, why, why have you called in this morning? Well, I'm right because I've been put in poverty, Ian. You've been put in poverty? Yes. In what way? How have you been put into poverty? Uh, I've been retired on ill health, and um, after paying council tax, rent, me electric and me water, all that, and no money for food. How old are you, Robert? I'm 52. I've been retired on ill health. Uh, and when did that happen? Um, I got hit on ill health on, in 2003, but I've only just started to start pension me off from this year, from the 1st of the 8th. So what, you, you were being paid uh, a kind of a, a sort of a salary, even though you were off ill, Yeah. Uh, and, and that's been now cut because... Well, you, you... Well, 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 what I was, I was claiming benefits because my right. company stopped my, my money. OK. So I, I was on benefits. Then my benefits stopped because I got my pension coming in. But after paying all my bills and my rent and I think, I won't be able to eat, you know what I mean? So you've got no money for food at all? At the moment, no. Not till I'll have money coming in, but I have no money for food because I've got to pay bills and, you know what I mean, and electric and towards my rent and council tax. When, when does your money come in so you can get something to eat? Um, it comes in at the end of this month. The end of the month? Well, OK, so the end of October? Yeah. OK, so there's not too long to go, because we're on the, th- we're on yeah. the 30th now, I yeah. think. So there's not too long to go, but how, wh- have you eaten today? Not at the moment, no. I can get a breakfast, but after that, I've got stuck a little bit in my freezer, but after that's gone, I don't know what to do. This, this must be quite worrying for you, Robert. It is, really, yes. But, I mean, I've had people out trying to help me, but budget me funds, but how can you, when you've got nothing to live on after you've paid all your bills and that? So who's been helping you? I've had the Housing Association, I've had a lady from them. Yeah. They've been really brilliant. What have they and what have they done to help you? Uh, they've helped me, you know, look at the letters I've had come in from right. the bed, you know, central beds, and they think, yeah. But you know, it's just crucifying me at the moment. So, are you in debt, Robert, or are you, are you kind of I keeping your head above water? I, I will be getting into debt. Yes. I'm guessing you live on your own. Is that yes, right? I do. Yeah. You got any friends or, or, or family you I can have, talk to? I've got family, but they they have to work. You know, they got their own families. Yeah. How are you feeling, Robert? Well, I, I do suffer from depression. Have you been to the doctor about that? They, yeah, I'm on uh, antidepressants. And how are you finding them? They're all right, but the point is, it, with all this, you know, trouble and everything, it makes you feel like sometimes taking me own life, and that is the honest truth. When was the last time you thought about taking your own life? Last night, actually. Really? Mm. Why, why, what, what was so bad last night? Well, it's just that, you know, I think about everything coming on top of me, you know. But you said you've got family. Yeah. So, they, if you did something to yourself, they, they'd be upset, wouldn't they? Yeah, I know they would, yeah. But it, it makes me feel that way, and you know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. I've never been in, you know, like this before in my life. So, what are you going to do? Well, after paying all my bills and that, I've just got to, you know... But they said I can get a... You know, the count, central beverage said I can get a formula for them. They, they, they can help me with getting food, but... Well, why don't you get... Why, that sounds like a great offer, Robert. Why don't you give them a call today to, see, to, to say, they're look... They're sending me the form out, Ian. They're sending you the form out, yeah. OK. So are you going to fill it in when it comes? Yes, I will, yeah. And what would that get you? Is that, is that to get you to a food bank or something? Yeah. 
How do you feel about getting food from a food bank? Well, I, I think it's just, well, it's disgusting, really, but... Why is it disgusting? Well, I, I'd like to do me, you know, my own shopping and, yeah. you know what I mean? Of course you would. But you know that you're not in a position at the moment, are you, to do that? No. So... Uh, I, I, I wouldn't feel, um, I don't know, embarrassed or ashamed for getting food from a food bank. That's what it's there to help. It's there to help people when they're struggling a little bit. Well, I feel as though, you know, the way it's getting on top of me, I think it's getting on top of me at the moment. Who do you, who do you talk to about this, Robert? I don't talk to many people. I just sit in my own place and just, yeah. you know, keep upsetting myself. Yeah. That's not going to... Listen, I suffer from depression and I'm on pills and stuff like that and, and the, the pills have certainly kept my head above water but one of the things that I've learned is that by sitting indoors on your own all day long that kind of perpetuates the cycle, doesn't it? Mm. That, makes, that makes you feel worse. Yeah, no, yeah. So what can we do to get you talking to someone? Well, I'm, not saying going out, I'm not saying going out and playing bowls or doing something ridiculous like that, but you, you need to have daily... You need to have contact with well, human beings. I'm not saying down the road, or, you know, but I don't talk to them about how I feel because, you know, it's embarrassing for me. Do you think that they would feel embarrassed if you said, look, I'm, I'm a bit worried, I've got no food and I'm feeling a bit depressed? I don't know. I don't know what to say. How long have you known these friends? They've been friends with me for years. Yeah, close friends. Yeah, really close friends. Well, listen, then if they're if they're close friends and they've known you for years, again from mm. personal experience, uh, I know what it feels like you you think, oh, I don't wanna, I don't want to annoy everyone, I don't want to be a burden, but if they've known you for years mm. and they're close friends, they will really appreciate you being honest mm. and being able to tell them that you're struggling a bit. Yeah. Listen. 99% of the people listening to this have struggled or are struggling or will struggle at mm. some point in the future. Not just financially, yeah. but just with that depression that comes in. Mm. A lot of people get it, uh, and there's nothing shameful about asking people for help. Well, see, since I've... I'll tell you when my depression started. It's when I lost my parents in 2005. Yeah. And, you know, um, but, but this is the last straw, you know. I feel this is tipping me over the edge a little bit. Did you lose both your parents in 2005? Yes, one after the other. Yeah. Within two weeks of each other. Oh, mate, I'm sorry. It's tough, isn't it? Yeah. It's really tough. But, you know, I speak to my older brother on that, I mean, but he says to me, you know, how are you supposed to live? He understands the way I am, you know. Yeah. What what do you mean, the way you are? The way I feel, you know. So you speak to your brother about it? Mm-hmm. Where, where do, does your brother live nearby? No, he lives right in Luton. Right. What are the chances of going to stay with your brother for a weekend? I don't know. I'll have to ask. Grave, Gravenhurst to Luton, it's not, I mean, it's not that far. I'm sure no. with a few buses and a little bit of working yeah. things out, you could do it. Mm. And it might just be nice. Does, you, does your brother live alone, or has he got...? He's got family. Well, you could, at the very least, you could say to him, look, any chance I could just come over Saturday night and just sleep over Saturday night yeah. and have breakfast with you and the family? Yeah. Because that would be kind of nice. That it would was, make you feel... It would be, yeah. It would be nice, wouldn't it? And I'm sure yeah. if, he's a, if he's... Is he a good brother? He is, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Do you love him? I do. Yeah, and he loves you? Mm. I'm sure, listen, I'm sure he'd love you to come over for dinner on Saturday night, mm. breakfast Sunday morning. Wonderful. Yeah. Two good meals. Yeah. It doesn't solve the problem. No, I know. But it moves things along a little bit. I ring, you know. What, what, do, what can I do, Robert? I you, don't really know. I just wanted to chat, actually. Yeah? Yeah. Because you're obviously reaching out for something. Yeah. Is it just the loneliness? It is the loneliness and, you know, struggling, you know. Yeah. 
Well, listen, you can give us a call any time you want. Okay. That's an open invitation. We might not always be able to put you on air, but you give okay. us. We'll, we'll try to when we can. If the show's not, you know, sometimes okay. we're a bit busy, but you can give us a call any time you want. Okay, thank you very much. And also, don't. Uh, how do I say this without sounding patronising? There isn't really a way of saying this without without it. Don't do anything stupid, mm. because you've got your brother, you've got your friends, you've got the fellow that lives up the road. Yeah. They would be. Uh, they would be devastated, wouldn't they, if you yeah. did something? Yeah. Yeah. So, what are we going to do? When's the form coming to, to sort out the food well, bank? They sent it out yesterday. They sent it out yesterday, so it might come today. Yeah. Hopefully it will come by the weekend. Yeah. Uh, and do you think you'll be able to fill that in yourself? Yes, I will, yeah. You, 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 you can do all that? Yeah. Right, fill it in. Well, thanks, Ian. Put, put, put your, you know, your pride and stuff to one side, because okay. what you want is you want some stuff in your cupboard in your fridge. So, okay. fill it in. Um, have you thought about... And these aren't for everyone, and don't take this the wrong way. Have you thought about calling up someone like, I don't know, the Samaritans? I haven't, no. Because they're not just there to stop you jumping off a you know, bus, mm. off, off of a, a car park or anything. They're there, they'll just chat to you. Okay. So if you're, if you're feeling really lonely, it's sort of, for me it was always about half past three in the afternoon. Yeah. When it, was, it, was, it would kick in. If you're feeling lonely at half past three in the afternoon, you can give them a call. Yeah, okay. And just have a chat. Yeah. And just say, I'm feeling a bit lonely. Okay, thanks, Ian. Robert, can you do me a favour? Yeah. Give me a call tomorrow. All right, thank Where are we you. now? It's Wednesday today. Give me, I'll speak to you tomorrow. All right, thanks, Ian. Cheers, mate. Thanks, bye. Ta-ta, there we go. Bye. Well, there you go. You see, that's uh, Robert in Gravenhurst. He's having a rough old time, isn't he? Um, 08459 455 555. I don't want to make this a, a let's all phone in and help Robert kind of thing, but if you've got any practical suggestions or, or solutions... I don't, I don't want to sound all patronising either and all let's, you know, come on... Robert, cheer up. But if you've got any practical solutions, maybe you've been in a similar situation uh, as Robert and it was all a little bit bleak and you've managed to come out the other side. What did you do? What else can you do? Do give us a call. 08459 455 555. Well, hopefully we'll speak to Robert again tomorrow just to make sure. Just to make sure everything's all right and that he's, um, he's keeping his head above water. And uh, maybe we'll come up with a few more suggestions as well. I think you should definitely go back to his doctor. I, I didn't mention that. We'll speak to, we'll speak to him later uh, and uh, we'll have a chat. Facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. You can send me a text, 81333. Start your text, 3CR. Or you can give me a call, 08459 455 555. It's coming up to a quarter past eight on BBC Three Counties Radio. Let's get the travel news now. Here's Alice. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Thanks very much. On the M1 southbound between Junction 9 for Redbourne and 7 for Hemel Hempstead, that is finally starting to clear a bit. It is slow because of an earlier accident. Congestion back to the Toddington services with a travel time of about 35 minutes. On the M40 heading northbound, things are heavy from the Denham roundabout and the A40 up to the M25. On the M25 itself, going clockwise, there are queues between Junction 18 for Chorleywood and 16 for the M40. In Luton, that accident at the A505 for Dunstable Road heading eastbound closed at the junction under the M1 because of an overturned lorry and fuel spillage. There are delays back to Shakespeare Road. The police have said that the roads will be closed for several hours because of clearing up the oil. In Watford, the A411, that's Lower High Street, is heavy, just around the bushy arches. And in Borehamwood, the Barnet Bypass, it has queues between Stirling Corner and Mill Hill Circus. On the trains, London Midland has replacement bus services running between Watford Junction and St Albans Abbey because of a fallen tree after the storm. That should be going on until Thursday. This is Alice Glossop for BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much. 
Right, it's 8.16, it's Wednesday the 30th of October. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Councillors in Milton Keynes are asking private landlords to offer more homes for rent to help tackle the housing crisis there. A businessman from Luton who fled to Pakistan after being charged with a £1.2 million tax fraud has been found guilty in his absence. And in sport, Chelsea are through to the quarter-finals of the League Cup. They won 2-0 at Arsenal. Weather, a cold start to the morning, but it'll be sunny later with maximum temperatures of 13 degrees Celsius. Coming up, more news on the organisation which runs a number of colleges and academies in Bedfordshire. BBC Three Counties Radio. That sounds exciting. That sounds exciting. I wonder what that's all about. Mm. Oh! Oh! Uh, Jonathan Vernon-Smith is here wearing a scarf. It's cold. It is cold today. Isn't it chilly? I had my heated seats on this morning on the way in. First time this year. (laughs) In your car? Yes. They give you piles. What? The heated seats give you piles. Heated seats give you piles. I thought that was sitting somewhere cold. Well, either extremity on your um, your, your anus will will give you piles. And as someone, no, listen, <laughs> oh my God. as someone, it's Latin. As someone who has had piles, <laughs> why are you you are aware you're on the radio, aren't you? Is that what that red light means? <laughs> I have no secrets for my listeners. As someone who has had piles and had them banded, trust me, JVS, you do not want to go there. You do not want to go there. It was awful. Hellish. Yeah. I nearly said something else there, but I managed to stop myself. <clears throat> but I've, I've, uh, I've had my heated seats for a number of years now. I've never had piles. How's your anus? <laughs> Is it good? Stop it. Is it good? It's perfectly fine. Good. Well, just just be warned. You don't... You, there is nothing worse. Well, there is one thing worse. What's that? I had that as well. <laughs> I did. Did you? Do I say it on the radio? No. No, OK. Please. I'll, I'll write it down I have you. no idea what you're talking about. I, you've got a devilish glint in your eye that it's, makes it's me all, worried. It's all in the same area. Oh, it's just being written down, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> You're laughing at that, are you? You could have that. Is that called a pylonidal sinus? I don't know what the medical term is. I've had a pylonidal sinus. So did, you have to have it, did you have to have your um, anus sewn up? No. <laughs> Can I tell you what's going on my show? Please. Don't be scared of the truth. <laughs> you really are scaring me today. Oh, what's on your show today? Coming up on this morning's big phone in from nine. Should parents be allowed to take their children out of school to go on holiday? Uh, this morning, parents are going to be handing a petition to the Department of Education, demanding they be allowed to take their children out of school during term time to go on holiday. One hundred and twenty-six thousand parents have signed this petition in the hope the government might reverse the blanket ban on term time holiday that was uh, introduced last month. Mm. Well, campaigners argue that families can no longer afford the cost of travel or accommodation during traditional school holidays. And the head of the campaign, Craig Langman, has told the BBC his six-year-old probably learnt more on their family trip to Italy than he would do in school. 
So from nine this morning, I want your views on this. Should parents be allowed to take their children out of school to go on holiday? 08459 455 555 for your views, please. I don't know where I sit on this. That's an unfortunate choice of words, bearing in mind our previous conversation. I I, I don't know on this. Because, yeah, sometimes going off to Egypt and to Italy and to see these one things. But going off to, you know, Butlins or um, Frigliana when you're supposed to be at school or working, really, it's not particularly cultural, is it? What? What? It's not particularly cultural. Have you ever been to Frigoliana? I feel like I have, having known you for a year. There's there's an awful lot of culture in Frigoliana. There's an awful lot of wine there, it would seem, as well. well. Admittedly, that as well. But but there is some culture. And we're, and let's face it, I mean, I'm not a parent, so what do I know? But I do remember back to, to when I was at school myself. Yeah. Don't you remember the last week of term? Yeah. I mean, how much work did you do? Was it, it used to be at my school particularly junior school, it was all about helping the teacher take the board down and clearing up the classroom. Don't you remember? You never did anything. Bring your toys in on the last day of term. Exactly. So, I mean, you can understand, can't you, why some parents may say, well, what's the point of my child spending a week at school helping the teacher tidy up the classroom and take the display off the wall when I could take them off to a a luxury week in Falaraki where they could learn all kinds of interesting things about life. About water slides. Well, possibly, but then don't children get enrichment from a week of fun? I want your views from Nine. Should parents be allowed to take their children out of school to go on holiday? Jonathan, thank you very much. Oh, do me a favour. What? Don't use those heated seats. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. On FM, AM, online and digital radio. This is Ian Lee. On BBC Three Counties Radio. (laughs) JVS, get him to tell you what he just said to me. Um, We spoke to Robert about, uh, well, we spoke to him 5, 10, 15 minutes ago. He's having a bit of a tough time. 52, he um, can't work because he's ill and he's, uh, he's not very happy and he's feeling a little bit worried about where that unhappiness might lead him. Uh, Stephen the Meltman's online. Morning, Stephen. Hello again, Ian. How are you? Yeah, I'm fine, thank you. I'm, I'm uh, a little bit... Um, um, I'm trying to think of the right word. I'm slightly concerned about Robert, who me, we spoke to earlier. Yeah. I'm sure he'll be fine, but just things like that make me, you know, feel a little bit sad. Me too, but me too. I mean... I don't think it's right that blokes suffer like that. And, I mean, if there's anything I can do, I mean, in any little way, I can give him a couple of pints of milk or a little bread or something like that just to keep him keep him going. Could, it, could you heat his milk bottles possible. for him? I can do that, yeah. Would you seriously? You, listen, I don't want this to turn into a kind of charity case for, for no. uh, Robert because he, he deserves more than that. And he's obviously got pride. But a couple of pints of milk and a, a, a loaf of bread, you'd be all right with that? Yeah, yeah, no problem. I thought the best way to do it is um, if I could leave it, leave some at the depot. If Justin could pick it up from there and take it around to him, we will sort something out. Stephen, listen, go, yeah. speak to Catherine. You're you're a top bloke. Thank you. And I, I, I don't want this to turn into a, you know, let's all rally round. But but it just makes me sad. And there's uh, there's something bigger in this, isn't there? It's it's men. Is it men of a certain age? Uh, maybe it, I don't know. Maybe it affects men more. I don't know. This loneliness and this depression. Maybe it is women of a certain age as well. There, you're right, Catherine. There, there is a pride thing uh, about going to the doctors or going to your brother or going to your mate and saying, "Do you know what? I feel flipping miserable." Thought about topping myself last night. That's how bad it is. There, it's hard to say that, isn't it? Maybe we'll have a look into that at a later date. Oh eight four five nine four double five. 
555. Now, Milton Keynes, like many places at the moment, is struggling to cope with the number of people on its council house waiting list, which is why it's urging private landlords to help plug the gap. Trouble is, there's a real reticence to let people on benefits uh, take these places. We've heard a few horror stories this morning to suggest that when the deal goes sour, it can go really sour. Well, earlier this morning, we spoke to solicitor Tessa Shepperson. Um, it is very unfortunate, but I mean, there, there do tend to be more problems associated with benefit tenants than with, than with not benefit tenants. There is this problem about if they need to be rehoused, they're told to stay there until they are evicted, and that that. That causes a lot of problems all round. Well, Edith Ball joins me, the councillor in charge of housing in Milton Keynes. It can be unfair on the landlord, the system, can't it, Edith? It can indeed, yes. Which is why um, we've put out a letter to a number of big private landlords in Milton Keynes and rental agents to see what, if anything, we can do to assist, because we do need more private rented properties. I guess well, the, the, the thing that we're hearing is that... that um, councils are advising uh, uh, tenants on benefit that if they want to be rehoused, to stop paying their rent and uh, wait to be evicted. Yes, I'm... Uh, Is that advice that Milton Keynes Council would give to tenants? Well, I think it's general advice that all councils give because um, clearly they've got a homelessness uh, problem. They don't want to make it worse by uh, even more people landing at the door to be housed. So, but I'm, I recognise that is not really very helpful um, and I want to try and turn this around. So we've written to landlords and rental agents, a few big ones in Milton Keynes, and asked them to come to the council. I want to listen to them to see what we can do to improve the situation. We do already have around 300 houses, actually, uh, that are accessed from the private sector to help us, but uh, I need that to be a larger number. And how many of those tenants have the council advised to not pay their rent and wait to be evicted? Well, this is an interesting thing. It's only in a very few cases where we have an issue, but, of course, they're the ones that hit the news. Well, they're Um, also the ones that affect small landlords, that affect their pockets. So you can see why, why landlords would be reluctant if there is a chance that the council who want them to rent out these properties, would then, at a later date, say to the tenant, don't pay your rent, wait to be evicted. Absolutely. Now, we already um, do actually apply a lot of monies in to help uh, private landlords in terms of uh, rental guarantees. But what we tend to do is we put the guarantees in at the front of the process, so three months rent in advance. But what I'm hearing uh, from the landlords is, the big problem is at the end of the process, when occasionally they get a bad tenant, then it can take up to four months to evict. and they're losing Four months without, without any rent, yes. four, plus, plus expensive legal fees. Yes. So what I want to do is look at, to make sure we're actually applying the monies that we do apply. And I've said before on the radio, we have nearly £2 million worth of funds to help on homelessness. I want to make sure we're applying it uh, in the best way possible. I'm not convinced we are at the minute. So I want the landlords and rental agents to come in and hopefully it's going to be next week, to talk to the council and see what we can work out together. So would you, with that £2 million, would you, for example, pay um, the landlord's legal fees if they had to evict someone? Well, anything's on the table. I want to listen. I'm not okay. going to prejudge any situation. I want to listen to the landlords and agents and see what solution we can put, put together. But I am convinced that because of the amount of money we already place into that process, there is going to be a solution in here somewhere. If I could just get another 50 houses... It would help enormous. And the bed and breakfast situation is improving. We're now down to 73 from 93, which is good. Um, if I can get 50 houses, then I can, uh, I can shift that number significantly downwards again, which is what I want. If landlords want to get involved, Edith, how do they make contact? Uh, well, they can contact the council 
Um, I, I can, uh, well, if they go on to council's website, there'll be a telephone number they can ring. Yep. Uh, but what I want to do first is, these nine that we've written to, um, I'd like to hear from them first. And then we do have a landlords forum in Milton Keynes. We meet regularly with landlords. What I'd like to do then is share our findings with that bigger forum and see how, how we go from there. I'm convinced there is an answer in here somewhere. Well, listen, best of luck, Edith. Thank you very much for coming on. We'll, we'll, we'll follow this story closely as it affects lots of people in beds, hearts and bucks, and obviously specifically in Milton Keynes with your case. Thank you very much. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. Or you can send me a text, 81333. Start your text 3CR. And I, I'll flag this up again. Don't forget, you can keep sending me emails. I'm getting lots of nice emails this morning, um, including an invitation to the uh, Harpenden uh, pantomime. Who's starring in the Harpenden pantomime? Let's have a look. Hang on a second. It's someone from Tizzles. Oh, it's Sally James. Sally James is in it. Quah. Eh? Quah. Right, let's get the travel news now. Here's Alice. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Thanks very much. On the M1 heading southbound between Junction 9 for Redbourne and 7 for Hell Hempstead, that's still slow after that accident earlier on today with congestion back to the Toddington services. Travel time just over half an hour there. On the N25 going anti-clockwise, there are queues between Junction 18 for Chorleywood and 16 for the M40. And Luton's got some problems on the A505 this morning, which has been closed at the junction under the M1 as after an overturn lorry caused a fuel spillage there. Police have said that the road will be closed for several hours and that's to clean up the oil there. Uh, delays back to Shakespeare Road on that. In Stevenage, Broadhall Way is busy in both directions between the football ground and the A1M. And in North Watford, the A41, that's Northwestern Avenue, is slow at the Dome Roundabout. In Borehamwood, the Barnet Bypass has um, queues between Stirling Corner and Mill Hill Circus. On the trains, London Midland has a replacement bus service running between Watford Junction and St Albans Abbey. This is Alice Glossop, BBC Three Counties Radio. Alice, thank you very much. It's 8.30. Let's get the latest news and sport now. Here's Barry Caffrey. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. It's half past eight here. The headlines. There are calls for landlords in Milton Keynes to rent out more private homes to plug the housing gap there. At the moment, 42 families are being housed in B&B accommodation for more than the six-week legal limit. A parent has described how the Barnfield organisation misled people into believing her daughter got better GCSE results than she actually did. Barnsfield say there was never any intention to mislead people. The government says it wants to obtain better value for money by introducing a cap on the charges imposed on workplace pensions. Some employees who contribute to a scheme can end up paying hundreds of thousands of pounds in charges and fees over a lifetime. And the weather after a cold start to the morning, there'll be long spells of sunshine. It'll be relatively windy today with a southerly breeze. Maximum temperatures of 13 degrees Celsius. That's 55 degrees Fahrenheit. Three Counties Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. Arsenal failed to reach the quarter-finals of the League Cup. They lost 2-0 at home to Chelsea. However, Arsenal's manager Arsene Wenger says it wasn't a poor performance. We played quite well, but uh, we're not efficient enough, uh, especially defensively, and uh, made it difficult for ourselves from that on. But uh, they are good on counter-attack, and on one of them in the second half, they took advantage of it. But overall, I still think there's a lot of positives in that game. 
Leicester City, who are second in the championship, caused a shock as they reached the last eight. They beat Premiership side Fulham 4-3. Stoke City are also through. They won 4-2 on penalties at Birmingham. In tonight's fourth round action, Newcastle play Manchester City and Tottenham take on Hull at White Hart Lane. Rugby Union now and England will be without their Lions line-out specialist Jeff Parling for Saturday's Autumn International against Australia. He's been ruled out after suffering concussion in training. And the England cricket captain Alistair Cook will miss the opening match of England's Ashes Tour against Western Australia in Perth. Cook has a stiff back and will be joined on the sidelines by Monty Panasar, who is a bug, and Stuart Broad and Kevin Peterson, who are both being rested. BBC Three Counties News and Sport. I'll have more at nine. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Well, Justin Dealey earlier on, we were talking about um, the things that put you off. People, partners, colleagues, things like that. Things that annoy you, little things like that. Uh, And Justin Dealey once asked a, a potential girlfriend to leave his property because she laughed at his CDs being in alphabetical order. Wow. Well, he got quite upset. I, I, I Listen, my CDs are in alphabetical order. I think it's a wonderful thing to do. I think only blokes do it. I think only blokes do it. But um, he got quite upset by this and he said, right, in fact, we can go to, we'll go to Justin Dealey now and Justin can explain exactly what he wants uh, people to phone in about. Justin, you, you got upset about the alphabetical CDs, didn't you? So basically, right, girl comes round, yeah, I'm all like, yeah, lazy, I like some candles and stuff, like, yeah. well up for it, well excited, isn't it, boss, you know what I mean, eh? Yeah. Uh, and then uh, she goes through my CDs and she has a little giggle on because uh, they're in alphabetical order. Giggle on? Yeah, she has a little giggle on. And you want people to... You, I mean, you, you, you're you out... You're gonna I'm go out outraged. The, you're outraged, aren't you? Yeah, mate. And you're going to go out in the streets and talk to people? I'm going to go out, get some comps, get some feedback, and then see what people reckon to, like, if they have their stuff in alphabetical order as well, isn't it? And right. do you want any um, uh, people to call in on it? Uh, yeah, if people want to call in, like, 08459 555 and uh, speak to me direct, that'd be great. Nice one, Justin Dilley. Thank you very much indeed. We'll get the latest on that. In a bit. Just very clearly, we, we spoke to Robert about 30 minutes ago. Lots of you are calling in with very nice offers of food and things like that. I don't think that's the way to go. I don't think that's the way to go. So I don't want this to start in, you know, BBC Three Counties Radio to become a depository for your, uh, your uh, leftover food and bits and pieces. Don't think we need that. So that's very kind. Very, very kind indeed. Thank you very much. But um, no more please. Um, we're going to speak to Robert tomorrow. He'll be fine. He'll be absolutely fine. We'll speak to Robert tomorrow and we'll see how he's getting on. There's a few practical suggestions have been made to him. So uh, let's see how that goes. But thank you very much for everybody who's offered to drop off food. But I don't think at the moment that's the way to go. And also, we don't particularly have the resources to, to, to kind of deliver food. I don't think that's what Robert would want at the moment anyway. Right. Uh, more now, uh, uh, more news on the organisation which runs a number of colleges and academies in Bedfordshire. Last week, we discovered that the Barnfield Federation is under a government investigation amid concerns over its finances and suspicions of grade massaging. Well, we asked for your experience of working at or sending your children to any of Barnfield's facilities, and uh, uh, we've had some interesting. Uh, things pop up. If you want to get in touch, uh, ian.lee at bbc.co.uk. And I was emailed uh, by a mum who we're going to call Louise. She told us she was shocked to discover one of her daughter's photographs was being displayed with the claim that she'd achieved better GCSE results than she actually had. 8A star to C read the sign. Louise's daughter's highest mark in GCSE was a D. She tried to set the academy straight. Um, I went down there, yes, and asked to speak to somebody about it. Yeah. Uh, I got a phone call back 
and the lady on the phone, she was quite abrupt to me. Yeah. Um, as if, to, you know, to say to me, you know, how dare you question our results? And she told me that um, because Alicia had done BTEC courses, um, she'd done like, OC national courses, that the pass rates that she got in there were the equivalent to a C grade in GCSE. Well, it turns out, and I'm finding this all very confusing, that the school used her BTEC grades, which apparently it's allowed to do. So even though she didn't get any GCSEs above a D, they can kind of put the, the, the BTECs together and come up with this... Uh, eight A star to C GCSEs. I'm joined now by a retired teacher, Christine Hood, the former secretary of the Hertfordshire branch of the National Union of Teachers. This doesn't sound right to me, Christine. Doesn't sound right to me either. Um, no, I think that sounds a terrible situation for that mother to have found out and then to have been treated in such an abrupt way is appalling. The underlying problem, of course, is league tables. Right. That is the issue where schools, you know, vie against each other to be in a certain division of the league tables. Um, And I think that is what is wrong, because at the end of the day, a school can only get the results that the kids it has coming into it are capable of. But but I'm so struggling to understand this. So this is so they look better in the league tables. Obviously, when parents come in for open days, they go, wow, look at this. All these kids have got these, these great results. But it's simply not true. How does it work adding BTECs together then? What, what, what's a BTEC the equivalent of? To be honest, I mean, as you said in the introduction, I'm retired. Right. And I, I never had anything to do with the BTEC. Right. Um, but I am aware that it was a way in which you do a BTEC in a certain um, topic, which wasn't a subject. You didn't do a BTEC in English. You'd do it in some vocational course or other. That's my understanding, anyway. And that would be counted as two, three, four GCSEs. Um, It was a fiddle. I mean, one of the schools that did it most of all was one somewhere up in the Midlands, Thomas Telford, I think it was, which was, you know, lauded by governments of all colours. Um, but no, I think it's terribly unfair on the kids involved. So this, this happens elsewhere, then? This, yes. this isn't just Barnfield. This is kind of regular practice, yes. is it? Yes, yeah. It, it's like with GCSEs. Um, when a kid starts a GCSE course, you know, there'll be some egghead statistician in the school who will look at their past results in year, year, year 7, 8, 9 and say, oh, yes, this child is predicted to get a D. We'd better work harder on it to get it a C. Mm. You know, some kid who has maybe predicted a G or a very, very low grade, they won't bother with that one. Right. Right. So if, if they're on that, if they're on that borderline, yeah, from yeah. the borderline, then they'll, they'll, they'll push harder on those yeah. children and ignore those that perhaps need help just as much, if not more. Absolutely. Isn't that sad, Christine? Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Oh, I'm glad I'm out of it, to be honest, mate. I mean, I had far better years teaching before we had national curriculum and all this league table and attainment target rubbish. Um, but, uh, no, it is very sad. It uh, really is. Am I right that there are changes to this system being made? Well, Gove would like to make all sorts of changes. I mean, he'd like to make academies and free schools profit-making. Um, there's all sorts of terrible things in the pipeline, particularly if this lot get back again. Um, but, no, it's, it's, it's not always education. They're trying to make education a business. Mm. Barnfield uh, Federation sent us a statement. They said there was never any intention to mislead parents or pupils. The star achievable, there's a horrible phrase, was intended to give pupils confidence in their achievements. This culture, and this is how they describe it, this culture of imprecision 
is going to be stamped out. A culture of imprecision. Well, it's it's. it's I don't know what that means. No, it's, that means nothing. Imagine if you were doing an exam and you you were imprecise. Well, yeah. then you'd get told off or marked down. Absolutely. Yeah, it seems acceptable for the, this school and other schools to employ this this imprecision and fudging. Well, one of the other aspects, of course, you've got to be aware is that the whole Barnfield um, Federation Academy is an academy, and there's very little accountability with academies. You know, when they have local authority schools, you can complain to the local authority where you've got people who are genuinely interested in education, not profits. Um, the ac- whole academy and free school system is a nightmare. So you, you're right. Hang on a second. If, if, if I've got a kid in a, a, an academy, who do I complain to then? The company that runs it? Yes. Well, the academy itself, or else you have to go to um, the Department for Education in London. You can't go to your local authority anymore. Christine, it's fascinating. We'll, we'll talk about this again. It's always nice to have you on. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, that's uh, Christine Hood. She's a retired teacher, the former secretary of the Hertfordshire branch of the National Union of Teachers. Don't forget, if uh, you've uh, got any experience with Barnfield, big or small, uh, whether it's working for them uh, or uh, sending a child or a grandchild to one of their schools or academies, do uh, give, send me an email ian.lee at bbc.co.uk and also you might want to speak in defence of them you know, we, we, I, I want to get both sides of the story, while we're waiting, I think we've got another four or five weeks for the uh, the two government bodies to do their investigations um, into uh, alleged grade massaging, alleged slightly financial impropriety, all these uh, alleged bullying, all these slightly different things but if you've got a story, good or bad ian.lee at bbc.co.uk uh, Craig's in Stockfold, morning Craig Morning, Ian. Uh, Craig, what have you called in about? Uh, well, your research has just found me uh, regarding my DVD collection. Ah, yes, you texted in, didn't you? And this is, you, this is because of Justin Dealey has, uh, and I both have our uh, CDs in alphabetical order. Do you do the same with your DVDs? I do. It's the only way forward, you know. You know where they are. Um, if ever one goes missing, you, you sort of know where it is. Uh, it's just life. I, have, you got, <laughs> have you got a wife or a girlfriend or a partner? Uh, wife. Right. Okay. What does she think when you do that? It was his. It was. It was her idea. Oh, really? Because I was about to and say like, I, this to me sounds like a bloke <laughs> thing, but it was her idea to do it. Oh yeah, she's just as um, uh, everything has its place. Yeah. And uh, I totally agree with it. It looks totally neat. You know, it looks far neater. Here's the and, thing, uh, Craig. Do you do you lend your DVDs out to people? I, I do, but I actually write it down where yes. I lend them. Yes! Good! <laughs> I started doing I'm this... Actually, I'm actually fed up with lending stuff and not remembering where it's gone. It's, so, um, it, listen, I, I started doing I this... I had a book. I, I had a little book. Oh, I had Catherine, Catherine, why are you pointing at me? <laughs> two DVDs, my friend, two DVDs. Well, that's great, because I've actually got three of Catherine's DVDs. She's oh. forgotten one already, so that's mine to keep. But I, I have lent so many DVDs to people... And yeah. uh, th- th- I've lost them. They forget to... Uh, I don't know who they are. So you write a little book, you write down, all right, I've lent, I've lent Steve, Enter the Dragon, uh, the uh, 25th anniversary version. Fantastic. <laughs> then, then a month later, go for Enter the Dragon, it's not there, I give Steve a phone call. Exactly. Craig, listen, you're, you're a man after my own heart. Thank you. Go on, Catherine, can you remember... What... Ask. You are, I find it embarrassing to have to ask. Well, ask what? For my DVDs back. Just DVDs cost repeatedly. like some of those cost four ninety nine these days. Can, can you remember the some three? Some of them are more expensive. Can some of remember... them were gifts from parents. And some of them still living at your house. Can you remember the three DVDs of yours I've got? Fleetwood Mac in Boston. Yep. Annie Hall. Yep. Oh, you've forgotten the third one, which is the third one is the one I wanted, so I'll keep that. Oh, I know. The what? Liberace one. <laughs> Thank you very much indeed. Um, let's go to uh, line one. Who's on line one? 
it's Paul in Milton Keynes. Hi, Paul. Thanks very much uh, for, for coming on the air. What would you like to say? Well, uh, Ian, I, I lent one of my colleagues a uh, computer game called Borderlands, and um, I haven't had it back, and I'm, I'm actually convinced that they've not even played it yet. And I just wondered if, if you could give me some advice as to what to say to them, maybe to sort of get it back. Is this Paul Scoynes, the political reporter from BBC Three Counties Radio? Uh, uh, yeah. Is this a subtle dig at me? No, no, just said a colleague. Right, Paul. Uh, Paul gave me Borderlands for the Xbox 360. Correct. <clears throat> I have not played it, but as far as I'm aware, Scoins. Yeah. That was a give, not a lend. Whoa! Whoa! <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> hey! Whoa! I no. That I expressly said it was a lend. I re- remember. You, you knew it was a lend, and no. you know you did give me back uh, a, a different uh, game, which I have played, and and was completely willing to give it back or sell it on. What but, game? Did, know, what game did I give you? Yeah, it was a war game. Okay, right. Uh, so, and that was a give. I, I gave no, you that. That was a give. Yeah, that was a give. Yeah. Well, hang I, on. If uh, I if I give mine, you something, mine wasn't, mine wasn't a give though. Was already beforehand was a lend, and you then gave me things, which you know, which is nice, but it equally put me in a slightly difficult position when I wanted to get that back from a colleague. This is eleven months later, eleven yeah. months, and you've still not played it. I haven't played it. I'm waiting for the right time. For her? Well, can I have my game back then? Yeah, yeah. But even I, though, I, I, I even though that was de- that was definitely a give. That was a give. Yeah. Okay, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll bring it in tomorrow, if I can find it, uh, as long as you bring me my game back and you give me another one. Uh, Okay. Excellent stuff, Squines. Thank you. Sucker. Travel news for beds, cards, and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. On the M1, London bound between Junction 9 for Redbourne and 7 for Hemel Hempstead is slow after that earlier accident. Congestion still back to the Toddington services. Heading north on the M1, it's heavy after an accident between Junction 12 for Flittick and 13 for Bedford. The car is on the hold shol- hard shoulder, but traffic is just a little slow to pass the scene. On the M25 anti-clockwise, there are queues between Junction 18 for Chorleywood and 16 for the M40. In Luton, the A505 Dunstable Road heading eastbound is closed at the junction under the M1. It's after an over turn lorry and a fuel spillage. Police have said that the road will be closed for several hours and there are delays past the hospital there. In Borenwood, the Barnet Bypass has queues between Stirling Corner and Mill Hill Circus. And on the trains, London Midlands has a replacement bus service running between Watford Junction and St Albans Abbey. This is Alice Glossop, BBC Three Counties Radio. Alice, thank you very much. Right, it's 8.46, it's Wednesday the 30th of October, I'm Ian Lee, these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. There is an appeal to landlords in Milton Keynes to offer homes for rent to people on benefits. It's to try and tackle the housing problem and shortage of suitable accommodation. A parent has described how the Barnfield organisation misled people into believing her daughter got better GCSE results than she actually did. Barnfield say there was never any intention to mislead. In sport, Chelsea have booked their place in the quarter-finals of the League Cup. They won 2-0 at Arsenal last night. Coming up, people putting things in alphabetical order. BBC Three Counties Radio, first for news. Let's get the weather now. Here's Georgina. 
Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. Quite a pleasant autumnal morning today and uh, fairly bright but uh, chilly with a fair amount of sunshine around until the clouds uh, clouds come in this afternoon. That's ahead of rain which will be sweeping in after dark and we'll have south or southwesterly winds strengthening just a touch later on as well. Temperatures reaching 13 degrees Celsius. So that rain is with us through the night. It could be quite heavy at times as well but should clear by the morning with temperatures down to 7 degrees. And tomorrow there should be some sunny spells around but uh, also varying cloud. There is showery rain coming in from the northeast, but I don't think it's going to make it quite as far as us. Um, but obviously there is a potential for a bit of drizzle. Temperatures up to 13 degrees Celsius. And then as we look ahead to the weekend, we've got two waves coming through. The first one brings moderate rain. The second gales to severe gales and heavy rain. We're thinking it's not going to be as bad as it was on Monday, but it's still early days, so we'll keep you updated. That's your latest forecast. Chetan Partook on BBC Three Counties Radio. Sunday I'll be live from the home of the Hara Krishnas near Watford for this year's Diwali celebrations. Thousands are expected to celebrate the Festival of Light ahead of the Hindu New Year and we'll bring you all the fireworks and drama. Chetan Partook. Join me Sunday from 6 at Bhaktivedanta Manor on BBC Three Counties Radio. We've been talking about landlords this morning. Milton Keynes wants you, private landlords, to take uh, housing benefit um, residents. We've heard some uh, some not particularly good stories on that subject. Brian is in Wilson. Morning, Brian. Good morning, Chair. Bri- Brian, what would you like to say? Just the um, private landlords with little experience, I would suggest be very aware. Um, there are lots of problems and um, there are a lot more clever tenants out there than we give credit for. It sounds like you've uh, had experience of this, have you? Yeah. What yeah, happened? I, well, I bought a new house um, in Bedford um, to um, hopefully um, help me pension. Um, brand new house. I lent it, I let it out. I did have some uh, problems with the, um, with the house itself, um, which um, the builder got put right but cut into the uh, cut into the main subject um i asked the tenant to leave um because i wanted to sell and buy another house and use the finance um there was some damage to the house um and obviously you go through the you go through the legal you the deposit goes via the letting agent to the deposit protection scheme a government scheme, as I understood, to protect yep. the deposit for the tenants. Um, the the damage, um, the landlords, I uh, beg your pardon, the letting agent mentioned this to the tenant and sort of said that needed a certain amount of money from the deposit to put right the damage. Um, it was only, what, three weeks, uh, I gather, um, that... Um, the discussions were talking to the deposit protection scheme when the tenant decided to take me to the small claims court claiming that I was withholding her deposit. I, I can't deal with the deposit protection scheme. Only, only the tenant and the letting agent can deal with the deposit protection scheme. Yes, so it's, it's separate, isn't it? Did, did you have to go to the small claims court in the end? I did, yeah. And, yeah. and what happened? Did you win? 
No, oh. not lost. Um, uh, I was going to the small claims court on the basis that that the tenant was claiming that I was withholding her deposit. And I, I went to court saying that the DP, DPS is there to protect your deposit, and, and that's the legal body that I thought that would look after their deposit. Um, but the judge said at the time, um, no, we can deal with it as well. The, um, oh. and I, I was absolutely gobsmacked because I didn't take any proof of, um, of the invoices that I'd done for the damage. The, the letting agent didn't take a copy of the, um, of the agreement because one of the parts of the damage was that uh, she'd altered the, province, uh, the, the um, property and um, the letting agent didn't take copies of um, the inventory or copies of the, um, the photographs. Uh, and this tenant knew better the, about the law than myself and... Uh, and the letting agent. Brian, thank you very much uh, for that. Sound advice there, delivered in a sturdy fashion. Brian, thank you. If you're a, a new landlord, maybe just be extra careful. You're right. They, they, lots of people know loopholes. You know loopholes, don't you, Just? I do indeed, yes. Good. Now, what would put you off somebody? Opera Beauty, I'm not talking to you, I'm talking to the listener, Justin. Mm. Opera Beauty, Catherine Jenkins, has revealed she sleeps with her eyes open. I'll be honest, if she came back to mine, uh, and I, kind of three o'clock in the morning, I, I rolled over and, you know, yeah. kind of wake up early as I often do, and I look down and I saw Ms Jenkins' eyes wide open. I yeah. give her a, a, a quick uh, elbow to the ribs. You liar. Oi, you Jenkins. Liar. Come on. Out. I'm having none of that. You wouldn't. Weirdo. <laughs> now, Justin Dealey, you spoke to people earlier. Let's have a little, little recap. Here's some of the things that put people off people. Hmm? I think if she hadn't brought her around the night before in the bar, I think it's equality. I think everybody should pay their fair whack. What would put me off somebody? Smell. Lady bow. Lady bow? Lady body odour. Yes, yes. Smell. Yes, yeah, definitely. Justin, I've got to ask you, what exactly is Lady Bow? Lady Bow, like Lady Body Loader, like B.O., but for ladies. Okay. Now, you once dumped a girl... Smells like a sweaty rose. You once dumped a girl because she laughed at your music collection. Yeah, man, I ain't even that. No problem. And you've been asking people... If there's anything wrong, I don't think there's anything wrong with, with having a, your music collection order. You've been asking people that. Oh, yeah, I've been asking people in the streets of Luton this morning what they think. Should we have a listen? Yeah, bruv. Thanks, boss. No, because I'm like that too. <laughs> yeah, right, you see, I dumped a girl because she laughed at me for having a big collection. That's harsh. Oh. Huh? That's very harsh. I was in my right, surely. I think it's very harsh that you dumped her for that reason. <laughs> I feel bad now. Thank you very much. That's all right. Madam, can I ask you a very personal question? Have you got your music collection in alphabetical order? No, why should I? But isn't that normal? No. So you just got them everywhere? Yep. Okay. Um, I once dumped a girl because she laughed at me for having my CD collection in alphabetical order. Mm. Do you think that was the right thing to do? It was up to you, wasn't it? Yeah, I suppose so. And uh, one final question. What would put you off a man? Because what she did that day by laughing at me put me off her. What would put you off a man? Not getting their hand in their pocket. (laughs) I think I'd get my OCD treated. You think I've got OCD? Yes. By having my CDs in order, seriously? Seriously. Do you think I'm odd? I think ultra-organised to the point of pedanticness. I'm going to leave you guys to it. Thank you very much. (laughs) You're a young girl. Is there anything wrong with CDs in alphabetical order? No, nothing at all. So do you think I did the right thing by saying, go on, clear off? Yes, definitely. You've got style, thank you. Thank you.
Not if it pleases you. Yeah. Not if it pleases you. I don't, but many people do. Charlie, you seem like a normal guy. I bet you've got your music collection in alphabetical order, haven't you? I have. Yes. Now, if a lady laughed at you for doing that, would you uh, say, go on, on your bike? Uh, Not necessarily, no. Would it offend you, though? It would upset me a bit, maybe, yes. Sarah, I bet you've got a big one, haven't you? No, no, I'm sorry, we're going for a bus. You've got a big music collection? No, no. The thing is, Justin, it's one of my Mm. joys, when I move house, is um, one of the joys for me is knowing that at some point I'm going to have a weekend all to myself where I can just go through the CDs. Yes. And it's a joy. Do you want to hang out one weekend? No. Uh, but how many CDs have you got? Probably about 5,000, something like that. You see, Ian, I have something called the love test, OK? Now, if I'm dating a lady, I take her back to mine, I show her my big collection, and I then pull out the killer question. I say, name me an artist. Now, this is where it could go one way or the other. Ooh. If she picks Engelbert, there is a ring on standby. If she picks something ridiculous, she's out the door. If she laughs at my collection, well, she is booted out well, the door. Justin, what would you consider as something ridiculous? Obviously, Engelbert is, is, is good for you. What would be bad? Well, I really like Jason Donovan as well, if I'm going to be honest. So something bad would probably be like, uh, I don't know, uh, I can't think of anyone. Really? And you've got 5,000? I know, so you'd think I'd be able to think of one, but I can't. Why don't you get, like, an iPod or, or, or an MP3 player or no, something? No, technology in it, bruv. I'm not down with that. I'm my boss. You're not a big fan of, of the technology then, Justin? You want to get rid of all the CDs and... Uh, Get you know. Who is that child you've got impersonating me? Sorry, come on. Who is that child you got in the studio with you? No difference, is there, bruv? When do I ever say bruv? Say bruv all the time, boss. Say it later, guys. Shall I do the rest? Yeah. Uh, I don't. I don't. I really like Engelbert Humbledink and Jason Donovan and Bross. So it's not really many people that I don't like, bruv. Thanks, Justin, very much indeed. I think the fake Justin is still there, though. Justin? Justin, are you still there? Yeah, I'm here. Sorry. No, th- not the real one, the fake one. I am the real one. Yeah, I know exactly. I'm trying to get hold of the fake one. What's oh. up? You're quite finished. Making my footage. Can I go now? Yeah, go on, bruv. Bye. for this I get paid to do this don't forget one of the three Justin Dealies the Justin Deal threes will be uh, presenting a radio show uh, at the weekend BBC Three Counties Radio what, what time is it about nine o'clock you come on Just yeah about nine I record a lot of the links though but I'm there about excellent nine. stuff so about nine o'clock you can listen to Justin Dealey playing some of his uh, 5000 CDs it genuinely is a cracking listen we'll find out tomorrow who his guest is going to be right that's it that's your lot let's get the travel news now here's Alice Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Thanks very much, Ian. The M1, uh, London bound between Junction 9 for Redbourne and 7 for Hemel Hempstead is slow because of an accident earlier on. Congestion still back to the Toddington services there. On the M1 North, there's been an accident between Junction 12 for Flittick and 13 for Bedford. The car is now on the hard shoulder, but traffic is a little slow to pass. In Luton, the A505 is closed towards Luton from the M1 at Junction 11 because of a lorry overturned on the roundabout under the motorway. There's been a fuel spillage there and there are delays past the hospital and it's going to take a while to clean that up. 
On the trains, London Midlands have replacement bus services running between Watford Junction and St Albans Abbey. And First Capital Connect and South Eastern have delays of up to 15 minutes between Bedford and Blackfriars because of poor rail conditions. This is Alice Glossop, BBC Three Counties Radio. Alice Glossop, it's your first day with us today. It is indeed. How have you found it? Fantastic. You've enjoyed it? Yes, very much so. Okay, well, thank you very much. You've done a cracking job. We'll speak to you tomorrow. Thank you. Right, that's it. That's your lot. I'll be back tomorrow at six o'clock. JBS is up next. Until tomorrow, from me, ta-ta. Local and vocal across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Ian. Good morning. Welcome to the JBS show. I'm Jonathan Vernon-Smith. It's Wednesday. And on today's big phone-in, should parents be allowed to take their children out of school to go on holiday? This morning, parents will hand a petition...